This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we are talking dual feature Lady Bird and three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. What do they say? What do they say? And when I see the sign that points one way, the lot we used to pass by every day. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello! Hi, I wasn't here last week. Well, Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. It covers some various movie topics, jump into a mostly spoiler-free review, then jump back into the other fun movie topics. This is episode 309, 309. 309, that's a, that's a solid number on the third floor of a building. <laughs> <laughs> is it not? <laughs> I don't know why that took the wind out of me for a second. It's a solid you're thinking floor. About like, yeah, I would like a hotel room with 309. 309. Uh, well, yeah, we're, that it is episode 309. And this week, we have a twofer. We have a twofer this week, guys. Twofer. A twofer. Well, it's coming toward that season where we have to watch like 45 other movies a week because uh, they're so good. And there's so many of them. Like, there's just a whole bunch of stuff all crammed in the, the, the end of the year. That said, there's a lot of good stuff coming out. And this week, we are talking Lady Bird. And three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. So yeah, got a got a packed show, and we have uh, we got some guests coming at you to discuss both of these things with us. We have from Film Fad. He wants us to know that anger begets anger. It's Kenny Miles. Hey guys. And from Wrath Reviews and the author behind Agents the Agents and Angels series, which just released its sequel this past week. Next up, perhaps an adaptation of Taming of the Shrew. It's Jordan Rath. Hello. How are the two of you doing this evening? Fantastic. Wonderful. Glad to hear. Jordan, good to have you back on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me back. And congrats on the uh, the, the new book release. Thank you, sir. It was very exciting. I actually had a surprise book release party thrown for me this weekend that oh, nice. I had zero idea about, so the girlfriend pulled it off very well. Oh, very cool. I'd like, yeah. I'd like you to know that you're number one on the Aaron and Abe's bestseller list, so now you can call yourself a bestselling author. Oh my gosh, yes. So, you know, I just, I just want to put that out there. You, know, you, can <laughs> print that on, you can print that on your cover book for the paperback. That'll be on the back cover for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, always good to get new guests here. So, Kenny, welcome to the show for sure. Well, thanks for having me on. Yeah. And uh, we'll uh, get right down to everything. Let's do some quick show notes real quick first, though. Um... Let's see. Uh, iTunes reads ratings. Good to get those. Helps out the show. Helps other people find the show. If you want to log into iTunes, search for Out Now with Aaron and Abe. That'd be great because then you can have the opportunity to give us a star rating, which would be really awesome. And even more awesome would be a written review of some kind, some words that put together and emphasize something about our show. <laughs> that's how you write sentences. But that's, thank you very much in advance. That's, that's how they happen, all right? Sometimes there's commas <laughs> and punctuation. <laughs> Sometimes there aren't, and those are called run-on sentences. <laughs> <laughs> Or just 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 gobbledygook. I think just like, terrible grammar. Just People terrible, need to yeah. pay attention. Exactly. Read Jordan's book, then you can really know how to write sentences. Yeah. Want a, want a grammar lesson? Agents <laughs> and angels. That's 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 the that's, <laughs> that's the that's that should be on the cover right there. If you need a grammar lesson, read Agents and Angels. We'll show you how sentences get put together into an entertaining story. 
it's it's a really awkward review that's what i'm saying it's 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 trying to promote something but like also like trying to like make you learn at the same it's weird anyway what else uh new commentary track is coming this way it is now december of 2017 which means we have a new commentary track coming and as we now do in the (laughs) the end of the year months we do star wars commentary tracks because that's just what happens and so this year we are doing Empire Strikes Back. That, that is the current plan for this this month's commentary. I think Probably people, one of the best movies of all time. A few people have heard of that one. It's a, you know it's pretty well regarded, and that should be a lot of fun to talk about. Um, so yeah, we're doing it at Clown City. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna go to Bespin around Clown City. <laughs> uh, we're gonna just don't have lunch with Lando. That might turn into a trap. Uh, yeah, it depends. I mean, the deal is generally getting worse all the time, but you never know. <laughs> and you know, you take a cloud car there and make sure to tip them. Both of them, because they're twin cloud cars. So. Wait, what does a cloud car sound like? What does it sound like? <laughs> Probably <laughs> something around the lines of... You know, that's so, exactly how I was thinking. That's what Ben Burt pitched to the guys at the, at the, at the, at the uh, sound design meeting. Lawrence Kasdan was like, no. <laughs> you no, know, Lawrence Kasdan wrote that in script, and, and <laughs> let's keep going with this. And then Ben, <laughs> and then ben Burt was like, oh, you wrote an onomatopoeia here. Okay, I got this. And then he went... <laughs> a lot of grammar lessons today. Onomatopoeias? <laughs> run out sentences? Yeah, we can talk about it. bills later because we're all depressed about today. Okay, moving on. Let's um, <laughs> let's, 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 let's get to some... Uh, let's get to some everybody. Reach, we ask each other a question or two. Try to set the tone for the podcast or better get to know oh, everybody. Okay. Hey, did you listen to last week's episode? I didn't. No, not yet. Why? Oh, because we had a lot of fun saying no everybody at the same time. <laughs> that's, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> It happens. Yeah. Abe, hey, do you have a question for us? I've got a question for you guys. Lady Bird takes place in Sacramento, and Ebbing, Missouri is in Ebbing, Missouri. Oh, okay. Is there a small town slash city that you feel you would uh, love to see on the big screen? <laughs> Even though Sacramento's not really that small, but still, you know, not a whole lot it's of a, movies it's about a, Sacramento. It's a state capital. <laughs> it's true. It's a rather large town, I would say. Um, yeah. Is there a small town that we would like to see represented on the big screen? Bakersfield? That's not that's like that's also a big town. <laughs> um I'm trying to think of a good example of this. I guess a small town that I'd want to see on the big screen. So I at um, one time had a lot of family I uh, still do, I guess, in Sydney, Nebraska, where the Cabela's World Headquarters is. Uh that's a very small town as far as everybody knows everybody went back there to visit cousins and things like that. I feel like you can make a pretty interesting movie off of that. I like it. Yeah. That's the smallest one I got. Yeah, I mean, I think it'd be cool if, you know, they made a movie, I guess, like, in Telluride, I guess, would be a pretty cool small town. It's in Colorado, and I know that they've shot a few movies around it but i was thinking like in the actual town itself um i can't recall any films that have been shot there is telluride a ski city yeah um yes it is there's also a film festival there that a lot of people in the industry attend yeah Um, but that that kind of movie sounds boring so let's focus on the ski part and i'm telling you right now american (laughs) american remake of force majeure here we go set it in telluride oh whoa whoa whoa, that would be really cool i'm giving people ideas aaron I, some of them are free. That's what I can say. This is a free podcast. Yeah. <laughs> That's yep. <laughs> we give out film ideas and more. 
We're so still two... waiting. We're still waiting on uh, somebody to green light that whole entire two British cops thing with American accents. Let's do, okay. I mean, you you told me to keep it down on that one, and we're like, oh, <laughs> but we got Jordan here. He can write up a. He can help write up a script right now. We can get this thing going. Jordan, we let, never mind. Let's go. Let's go into it. Jordan, we've been talking for weeks now on the podcast. Every so often, we bring it up. But a a buddy cop movie that stars Taron Egerton and John Boyega as English cops who have to come to America and do an American accent undercover. Yeah, they're trying to solve a crime. Yeah, we don't know what the crime is yet, but that's where you help us out. <laughs> All right, I was gonna say no to that until you said who the who it stars. There you oh, go. Yeah, I, I'm I'm on board. See, I'm on board. We, see, it's a great. There, there's got... also like a, a stay-at-home cop, which you can't. I can't remember the name of that person that we were gonna. Was it gonna be Will? Was it gonna be Will? Uh, what's his face? Tall guy. Oh, Will Will Poulter. Will Poulter. Yeah, he's the guy that gets to stay at the office, but yeah. he's like their he's their barva. <laughs> he's their man in a chair. <laughs> It's a very British young cast. That's, that's a yeah, yeah. It's gonna it's gonna make a lot of money though. It's tons. <laughs> Sounds like anyway. a guy's sequel or something. We'll make this work, and we'll have Kenny do location scouting for us in Telluride. Like this is really good. It's all coming together <laughs> now. Like it's it's coming. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, that was Mike. Good. I have a question too. <laughs> it's, yours was yours was well, yours focused on both movies. Mine's just focused more on Lady Bird. Have you ever had a broken limb? No, I have not. Yes. Yeah. Three. Three. Broken my right arm twice. Uh, one was doing some pillow gymnastics, is what I call it, uh, when I was younger. Then riding an adult tricycle down a hill, <laughs> and then left arm or left arm was the adult tricycle, and then right arm was uh, just riding a bike. Took a, tor- a corner too fast, so I'm at three. And hopefully it stays that way because they are no fun. How about you, Kenny? Any any breaking bones? Um, I I am a no, and I am knocking on wood right now. <laughs> okay, good. To so, so, yeah, I have not broken a limb at all. Yeah, I've also never broken a limb. I broke a I broke a thumb once. That I did break a thumb like a long time ago. That's that's the extent though of things that got broken at some point. Right hand, left hand. Uh. Which hand is it? Which one grows funky? Um, it's, I'm just curious. Did you're left-handed, so yeah, they, but, yeah. you know, did you learn how to write with your opposite hand? No, it's the it was the right thumb. Okay, right. I think. Let me look, I can tell because like <laughs> you're the, not sure. Well, because the like for it's been, it was a long time ago, but also the so, nail the nail grows different on one of them. Yeah, it's, it was the it was the right one. <laughs> All right. Okay. Now that we've got that established, we really know you. And and when we make <laughs> and we make our movie, and you and I inevitably have cameos in it, you can pause it really close on the 4K Blu-ray and notice my thumb that's slightly different than my other thumb. <laughs> little little <laughs> trivia for the out now listeners. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> perfect, perfect. We'll have to do like the whole entire like director uh, commentary with uh, whoever our director is as well. <laughs> uh, anyway, that was great. <laughs> well, that's how you play. No, no everybody. <laughs> okay, Nicely let's move on done. now. What was? Nicely done. Nicely done. Thank hey. you. Yeah, yeah. It, it helps when the guests encourage us to do this our wacky shit on, on the air. It's really, it's really nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, let's move on. Let's get to out now quickies. Jim. Each week, not now we will be talking about those words. We will be talking about no quickies. Jim, sounds like you said everything, but kind of blurred. It was. <laughs> It was it. We're in a rush. We we took a lot of time <laughs> some of our nonsense, so I had to I had to speed it up a little bit more. Um, Abe, have you seen any other movies recently? You weren't on last week. Did you see Coco? I, I, I watched Coco. Coco. Yeah. I did watch Coco, and Coco. I enjoyed Coco. I, I really liked the saturation, the colors, and 
uh, Pixar animation has just really come so far. I mean, there's close-ups on Miguel's face, and you can just see, like, his peach fuzz and whatever else, too. So there's a lot of craft and care. I mean, even before the movie starts, there's the three animators. I don't know. This is over in a Cinemark, I think. The three animators that came on and said, hey, you know, this shot composition comprised of, like, millions of art drawings is really difficult to make. And I was like, yeah, see? so huh. Mark I mean, and Alan mentioned that last week, too. I, we didn't – David and I didn't get that because we got the press screenings. But, yeah, they mentioned that they had the Well, da <laughs> and, and did you like all seven hours of the Frozen short? Oh, my God. I, I did, but I, I, I was wondering why it was so long. And I didn't realize that it was 20 minutes long. I didn't think that there was going to be like a 20 minute intro to another hour and a half long movie. Um, and that was kind of unfortunate, but I, I did. Obviously, it's kind of like a prequel to the next Frozen movie. So there's no there's no real plot to it. And there's nothing really amazing about it. I don't think there was a lot of good jokes, but you'd have to have watched Frozen to understand those jokes. I mean, do you mean you, have, uh, you must have watched one of the most popular animated movies of the past 20 years to get those jokes? I hope somebody won't be out in the weeds on that one. But no, back to Coco, I, I thought it was really good. I thought it was well done. And I love the voice casting uh, in the movie. And again, just the color saturation was was so vivid and so intense and it was it was really well done so i enjoy it and i i would recommend people to go see coco yeah be sure to listen to our exuberant praise on it last week and our very long discussion about the frozen short also <laughs> interesting okay yeah. um how about you kenny have you seen any other movies recently um yeah i actually watched a movie called my happy family i meant to see it when i was at um the sundance film festival and actually, Netflix acquired it, and it's kind of rare for them because they usually acquire documentaries. And this is a foreign language film, and I, and I actually really enjoyed it. it. It's a good blend of kind of, um, kind of you know, um, comedy and drama, and it's about um, kind of like a th- th- three generations of a Jordanian family in one house, and the um, I guess the um, the mom decides to move out of the house and live on her own in an apartment. And it kind of causes kind of shockwaves through, through the family and there's other stuff that happens. And I just thought, again, it was a really good mix of drama and comedy um, as well. And I also caught the um, breadwinner, oh. um, the, the um, animated movie that won the, um, I guess the Los Angeles film critics for best animated movie today and i really liked it i mean i am i'm a big fan of animated movies um inside out was my number one movie that year and so maybe i'm like a little biased for breadwinner but it was fantastic animation nice very cool i I also just got to see uh, the breadwinner um it was yesterday yeah yeah, last night with my girlfriend we uh, on a night oh i went last night too that's hilarious yeah yeah we went to saw the breadwinner and uh yeah uh, mark hoban talked about it last week on the show and i agree with both you guys i think it's quite good and um, mm-hmm. certainly fits the fits the fits the the um, the template of get the kind of big mainstream animated movies as well as the kind of smaller ones like this. This is from the same studio mm-hmm. that brought us Secret of the Kills and Song of the Song of the Sea um, mm-hmm. in recent years. And yeah, it's a it's a good one. And certainly the darkest of those movies. Oh um, yeah, it, the subject matter it was really dark. Yeah, it concerns that... um, an Afghanistani uh, girl who's has to has to pretend to be a boy so she can kind of get around in society and provide for her family after her father's been mm. locked up so it's a, it's a good one but you know it's emotional as well <laughs> full length yes yeah oh yeah full length okay in a good 95 minutes so nice yeah glad to hear it 
and the the film you just mentioned what was it called happy what was it? yeah it's my happy family, my happy and family. It, and it, it's on, yeah that's on netflix, netflix now original great yeah 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 that sounds interesting i might check that out or add it to queue yeah. Uh, Jordan, how about you? What have you seen recently? Uh, I think other than the movies we're talking about, it'd be Coco, for sure. Uh, slogged through the Frozen short. <laughs> and also tried to watch, just through various YouTube clips, about probably 20 minutes of The Room to prepare for a disaster artist next week. And, uh, oh, have you, wow. that was have, you ever, have you never seen it, Jordan? Nope. <laughs> oh I'm wow! You, you, you only watch twenty minutes. Yeah. Oh, you gotta watch the whole thing. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was funny, but it was also just so painful. Just so so painful. Yeah. The yeah. The, the difficult thing is it, it's a, it's a movie that does need an audience or friends. Like it is. Yeah. It's like I can, I can see if you're like in the exact mood you need to be, it makes it can be fine watching on your own. I know there's plenty of people that do because here we are with a movie mm-hmm. about it coming out. So clearly, clearly there's people that love this movie regardless. But I do for me specific I, I certainly felt like an audience or friends around at the same time having fun with it all would have kind of benefited from something like that. Uh but having seen the disaster artist, I will say it benefits seeing knowing that mo- I, you can see it either way, and Abe will talk about it next week. That's that'll be one of our main reviews, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, but I do think it benefits from watching not just clips, but seeing the like the, the joke. There's so many jokes that there's mm. a lot to glean from the movie in a clearer mind when you've seen all of the room. <laughs> as painful as it might be to watch. <laughs> um, okay, so you watch the room, and you watch Coco, and you like Coco quite a bit, right? Is that... I did. Yeah, I did. Um, I've st- I've seen a few things that we can't talk about. One of them will probably be Abe's favorite movie of the year. Um, what? <laughs> uh, but... You gotta see Infinity War already. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, I've I, there's few things I haven't seen at this point beyond Star right, Wars. Yeah. So it's it's kind of cool that I'm done, <laughs> and that's nice and convenient. But I look forward to talking about some of these movies with you, Abe. But I will mention Wonder Wheel. This is the latest Woody Allen that's film. Woody Allen, yeah. Yeah, it came out this week. Um, it stars Kate Winslet, Jim Belushi, uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, Juno Temple yeah. and Justin Timberlake. Um, the film, it's one of his Jimmy dramas. Temple. It's yeah. Yeah. I said that. Yeah. I said Jimmy. yeah. The color palette on that looks also really saturated. The, but I, the, very, right away. The, the, the cinematography is fantastic in this movie. It's the same cinematographer that I'm blanking on his name because it's Italian. Uh, it's like Vitaro. <laughs> he did Cafe Society last year with Alan also. It's a, it's one of, it's like a, it's a great looking movie. And I, we don't yeah. often talk about, uh, or I think, I, I don't think Woody Allen, the filmmaker gets talked about too often. If I'm not, Vitaro Statoro, that's the cinematographer's name. But between this and Cafe Society, Amazon Studios has given him basically like just buckets of money for him to make like not only, the movies he wants to make based off their script, but also movies that look really interesting. Um, and I just wish the movie itself was better because it's not great. Um, That's the feeling that I got from just watching the trailer, but like I'm it, still curious to check out. It's movie. hitting a lot of standard beats of Woody Allen movies. Like he tends to, you know, in, especially with his dramas, there tends to be only so many areas he likes to cover. And they generally reference things that he likes, namely things like Bergman, Dostoevsky, or Tennessee Williams. And in this case, it's another, but like Blue Jasmine, it's a lot like um, Streetcar Named Desire again, where you have this woman who played by Kate Winslet, who's great in the movie. She's easily like the highlight of the film as far as acting goes. Her and the cinematography are like the the things to champion. Um, Who's, she's got issues, uh, mainly involving 
the marriage she currently has, an affair she's having with Justin Timberlake's character, and other developments that are going on. Um, I, I wish the movie was better, um, but it just kind of doesn't quite hit the marks um, that I would like in a typically good Woody Allen film. It's more not in that one. So yeah. Right. So yeah, Wonder Wheel, it's out, I imagine, in select theaters now. Um, and it'll be on Amazon in like a few months from now anyway. Uh, mm. But yeah, there you go. And yeah, I think that's quickies. Yeah. Let's move on now. Let's get down. Now. Let's get to uh, Trailer Talk. <laughs> it's one of those, uh, one of those segments, Abe. <laughs> we don't just have Out Now in front of everything? Out Now trailers? <laughs> no, no, we don't. Not yet. We should really do that. We've been doing the show for 300 time. episodes. We should really probably put Out Now in front of more things. <laughs> so let's do Trailer Talk, uh, where we talk about one of the newest movie trailers of the week, what we thought of it, when it's coming out, what have you. And this week we're talking Avengers colon Infinity War, the you know <laughs> the latest Avengers movie that has you know everybody in it, all all of them. I believe there's like 44 like stars in this movie, something like something crazy like that. Like, I'm, not, I'm not even exaggerating. Like that's the that's the exact number. It's something, it's something crazy like that as far as the number of people that are called from all of these different MCU movies over the past 10 years. And we have the first trailer of it here. Let's start with Jordan. Jordan, what do you think of the Avengers trailer? Uh, yeah, I was super excited for it. I searched on YouTube when the original kind of leaked during the Disney thing and saw like just a really, really crappy cut of it that someone wasn't supposed to take. So this was really my first time seeing it and, uh, watched it probably like five or six times since then. Uh, I'd like to hope that they're hiding, uh, a lot of different elements, kind of like the Star Wars trailers do, where I think they have a lot of aces up their sleeve that they've learned we're going to put butts in seats regardless, so let's not give away the whole movie like some other big tent poles sometimes do. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so I quite enjoyed it because I think it was just the right amount of, hey, look at all these awesome people. Hey, look at all these money shots. Uh, and then... I don't know, man. Captain America with a beard. He looks so good. Uh, Kenny, how about you? Yeah, I actually thought it looked epic. Um, it looked really intense. It, it really held my attention. It actually made me really excited for um, a superhero movie, which is something I haven't really said in a while besides Wonder Woman. Um, and yeah, I mean, kind of like what... Um, Jordan says, like, I like, like, I think they are gonna have kind of more kind of tricks up their sleeve. The only thing I didn't like, though, because I, because I, I, I kind of don't like, um, kind of things ruined for me in trailers. Like, I actually don't watch them before I see a movie, so I wasn't a fan of the last shot because it kind of almost reminded me of when I think it was Captain America's Civil War when they showed Spider Man, like mm. all of a sudden, mm. you, you know, like I kind of, you know, like. I kind of wish that that was saved for the actual movie. The last is, shot being what? Everyone running together? No, it was. Um, oh, the Guardians actually, thing. The Guardians thing. Yes, yes. Because I because I actually was not expecting that. I mean, even though I should have, but um, I was like, oh, oh no. But I know why they like did that. You know, you know, it was to really kind of, you know, like make everyone excited. You know, explode the internet, as they say. Yeah. How about you, Abe? I was a fan. I was. I, I deeply enjoyed it. I think that one of the things that I really liked about it a lot was just the. It felt like a culmination of things, right? I mean, we've had 
so many movies. I think, what, 18? 18 movies prior to this? this uh, including the movie, Avengers stuff? Uh, Black Panther will be the 19th, I think? So. Oh, wow. So there's actually going to be like 19 or 20 movies ahead of this? Uh, regardless, it's yeah. just that uh, <laughs> you've seen the buildup of these characters. You've seen where they stand now. And it's great to see Solid Snake going to get his own movie. Um, and <laughs> just become like, uh, it's going to be weird when, when he realizes that he's a clone. But um, in any case, I, I was all, I would also agree with Kenny on that last shot. I actually wasn't expecting it either to see the Guardians there. Um, probably because I was so taken aback by just the breadth of it. And like what Aaron mentioned, there's going to be a ton, a ton of characters in this movie. So they're kind of just focusing on people that you've seen before and, and know of. And I, I'm really excited to see what else is there. Uh, I think there were some comments also after this trailer dropped that uh, the folks were still treated to a longer, more you know beefier trailer over at D23 or whatever the case was. But I'm sold, man. I, I really don't want to watch anymore. I kind of just don't want to see anything else. I, I'm going to let it uh, I'm going to let it ride till the movie comes out next year. I can say that having because the same footage was at Comic Con, um, the actual the footage, which is more or less just like let's show you some stuff that looks kind of neat beyond even though the effects aren't finished yet, which is why you don't see more. Um, I, there's more Guardian stuff in that footage, than they, and I, from, from my perspective, I've been well aware that they're going to be involved mainly because it's supposed to involve everybody, but also yeah, yeah. just because they. The is the, much as I don't try to see like what set photos are going around or whatnot. There's all these damn headlines that are like, guess who? Like Chris Pratt and Robert Downey Jr. meet for the first time. <laughs> it's like, come on! Like, I, I I'm very much trying hard not to read anything Aaron, about you really Avengers. Really got to work 4. on your your photo caption skills. I mean, that wasn't really great. <laughs> hey, I'm not doing it. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm not even looking at the photos. It's just more like you just see the line. It's like, come on! <laughs> like, right. I, I don't care who's meeting who. Um, as far as the trailer goes. Uh, yeah, it, it does the job. I, I I know there's been talk about Thanos and the look of him. I can only say that, I mean, the movie's half a year away, so I, I know it will look different than it goes as it gets closer. I'm very curious what his whole... I've been I've been having this I was having a discussion with Anna a little bit and just thinking in general what is what is Thanos like? What's his goal? Like I'm very curious what the goal is here. Like it, from my perspective, it seems like he's pretty powerful. It seems like he has a big chair. He sits in it. He looks pretty happy all the time. He's always smiling. What's what's the end game when he's he gets smiling. what's the end game when he gets these stones? Like does he just he seems to be in control of everything already. Like what's yeah, I mean, what happens know, he after wants he, gets to, it? he just wants to have it. You know, he he's just He's really big into hoarding. That's well, I, well I, I, I was convinced, I, I told Anna this, that he's collecting all the stones and he trades them in, like, cereal box tops to get, like, a toy in the mail. Like the Darkwing Duck thing back he's in the Yeah, he's, just, he's just, trying to, just trying to collect them all and he's sending them in <laughs> with shipping and handling and then you get in return, you get something back. So I, I, I think, mean, Thanos is a destroyer of worlds? Is he a destroyer of worlds? I don't know. There's a lot of destroyers of worlds. There's, you know, there's yeah. Galactus, there's Thanos, there's Doomsday. I mean, everyone's destroying Dark worlds. Side. It's, yeah, getting, everyone, it's getting really old, the destroyed worlds thing. What can I say? Everyone's really into it. It's a trailer. No, it does the job. I mean, it's, it's showing you, hey, this is Avengers. All of them are going to be here. But damn, that Black Panther... Like, his movie's not even out yet. This guy's, like, already commanding the world. He's like, give this man his shield. I'm like, I want to give him, I want to reach to the screen, give him his shield. Like, he, he means it. Like, I get it. I, get I, I love saying. the memes that have come out since. Uh, you know, he's basically telling everybody to get everybody everything. And for Doctor Strange, he's like, get this man a bargain. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. I didn't even see yeah, these exactly. memes. I want to see these because I, I, I believe every single goddamn one of them. So there <laughs> 
<laughs> good point on good point on on Black Panther really stepping up his uh his leadership game. He does like Chris Evans. Like he, I like we. You know we we like Cap on we this like, show. We're we big like we're big Cap fans because First Avenger for us is still like one of the best Avenger best yeah, of awesome. these movies. But like. You know, he's sulking with his beard over there. Meanwhile, Black Panther's like, get this man. Like, yeah, let's do what he says. He seems like a good leader. He's not sulking on the side. Anyway, I, I like everything I'm seeing here. This looks great. Like, why not? I I would still say I'm kind of more excited for Black Panther as a movie. I, I'll, I'll be very curious. It does come out sooner. It does come out sooner. I'm very, I'm very curious what the, the Russos and the writers, the writers are the same ones that did all the cat movies, I, I want to, it's like McFeely and someone else, uh, Christopher or something. Um... I, I'm very curious, you know, since it's not Joss Whedon this time around, it's these guys who've been doing just the cat movies eventually, so essentially. So it's like, I'm very, the Marvel Universe seems to be working on its, you know, on its own level at this point. I'm not really concerned about, you know, not having fun. But, you know, losing Whedon and, you know, having these guys come in to do more of this, I, I'm hoping it creates more than just like, look how geeky this moment is. I, I want to see if there's any kind of meat on the bones. And yeah. Uh, yeah, so, you know. We'll see. Obviously, it's no reason not to be excited. It's all of these people in one giant movie. It's a great kind of yeah. like how how they made this happen is impressive, regardless of if you like these movies or not. So, also, what I hear is that they're they're kind of just gonna go for it from the get go, from like right out the gate. It's not like a whole lot of setup of anything because you've seen nineteen twenty movies prior to, so they're kind of just starting to battle right ahead, right? I, I assume the cold open is just Thanos comes in, kills all the useless people. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, regardless, Avengers Affinity War arrives in theaters May 4th, 2018. So there hmm. you go. Interesting. Right on Star Wars Day, huh? Hmm? Oh, May the 4th be with you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm sure Disney's really heartbroken about that one. So. <laughs> 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 oh well, guys, you got conflicting, uh, conflicting top box office movies here. We're gonna do something. I mean, about they it. they closed the month of their Han Solo movie, so you know. <laughs> yeah, What's really. Called again? Hmm. Uh, Solo, a Star Wars story. Oh right, yeah, okay. Yeah, that reveal was, you know, I was really anticipating a reveal. Hey, hey, don't. Ron Howard's known for a lot of things. One of them <laughs> is his reveals, so don't 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 chide him on that. <laughs> All right. It was. It feels like just yesterday when he when he flipped over that whiteboard and said Apollo thirteen on it. He's like, guys, guess what? <laughs> <laughs> not, not twelve, not fourteen, thirteen. Remember, everyone was like, man, what's he gonna do after Far and Away in the paper? And he flips over the board. He's like Apollo thirteen. I wish I wish that was a true story. I wish that was a true story. Let's move on. Let's get let's get we have reviews to do. Let's get to our first main review for Lady Bird. Ladybird, is that your given name? Yeah. Why is it in quotes? I gave it to myself. It's given to me by me. Ladybird always says that she lives on the wrong side of the tracks, but I always thought that that was like a metaphor. But there are actual train tracks. What she did was very baller. It was very anarchist. Put the magazine back! <laughs> She has a big heart, your mom. She's warm, but she's also kind of scary. You can't be scary and warm. I think you can. Your mom is. So, you're not interested in any Catholic colleges? No way. I want schools like Yale, but not Yale because I probably couldn't get in. <laughs> you definitely couldn't get in. That should have been some of the trailer for Lady Bird. Greta Gerwig has managed a successful career as an indie movie star for the past 10 years between her time spent in the Mumblecore area to collaborations with Noah Baumbach. Now she's taken things into her own hands with her first solo directorial debut, Lady Bird, a film that has received enough praise to become the highest-rated film ever on Rotten Tomatoes. In it, 
Saoirse Ronan stars as Christine Ladybird McPherson, a high school senior and Sacramento native desperate to go to an East Coast college and experience life in the early 2000s. She has an overbearing mother, a recently laid off father, and is experimenting a bit with her friend and boyfriend options at her Catholic school. Kenny, how have you enjoyed the career of Greta Gerwig so far? What do you think of Ladybird, her Oh, oh yeah um i've you know enjoyed her career for a while um francis ha was on my top 10 list the year it came out um that she co-wrote and it's it's still on netflix if anyone hasn't seen it yet and i also think that um i believe that 30 pages of the francis ha script were um also were were um or, 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 or sorry, um, thirty pages of the Ladybird script were originally from Francis Ha, hmm. and so that's kind of an kind of an interesting take um, as well. But I really liked Ladybird a lot. Um, just it seemed pretty de- kind of down to earth and re- re- like re- like genuine, and I I really um, just kind of admired what um she did kind of as her first um first like breakout role yeah um as like a writer director um it's been a while since i've seen it i saw it a few months ago it was at the it was at um actually telluride but um i i remember like laughing a lot and just really kind of being moved kind of toward the end of the of the um film but i also really liked the acting dynamic between um, Saoirse Ronan and Laurie Metcalf a lot. It, w- it was a really kind of unique um, mother-daughter uh, um, kind of relationship. It was very intense as well. But I also really liked um, Lois Smith as kind of this, um, I don't know if it was her guidance counselor, or I mean, it was the, um, I guess, hip nun maybe, yeah. who kind of kind of gave her advice like um i don't know if you remember her but she was um she played helen hunt's aunt and twister it's kind of a random thing but um no yeah she's the aunt twister she was on true blood for the first season she was uh she's the doctor in minority report she's the doctor in minority report yeah Yeah. you know how that role was written for originally meryl streep i did not realize would have been too distracting i think that's why she was cut out she probably would have been nominated for academy award (laughs) of course yeah best supporting he's like right there (laughs) We'd still be talking about it. <laughs> I'm sorry, Kenny. Keep going. <laughs> oh no, no. I just really liked um, the movie a lot, and um, you know, it, I mean, the the cast was pretty impressive as well. Like, like uh, Lucas Hedges is in it, kind of in a smaller role, and so is Timothy Chalamet. So I kind of feel like it's one of those movies where, in a, like, you know, five ten years from now, like people are gonna be like, oh, like so and so actor was in this movie you know and i believe jonah hill's sister is her friend yeah um, yes um what's his she was in neighbors too also uh beanie feldstein yeah that's jonah hill's sister yeah nice yeah, yeah working family um all right uh jordan what are your thoughts on Leapbird? uh so i'll preface with i really really enjoyed ladybird uh, I thought it was a kind of endearing film. Uh, <laughs> I think, I, I guess it's not really new to the last few years, but there's been some pretty strong female coming-of-age indies lately. 
uh, I think one that sticks in my mind that's not super recent was The Age of 17. And I really, really liked that one, mainly just because Woody Harrelson was hilarious. Um, but for me, Lady Bird, I really liked it. I enjoyed it. I laughed. Uh, but I didn't feel like it did all that much that was was unique in the sense that uh, it distinguished itself from other coming of age dramedies. Not to say it's not bad. It was very well made and uh, the script was a lot of fun. And uh, I think the relationship aspects, like everyone's relationship and the angles of each one, I thought that was captured both well and realistically in the sense that the comedy felt natural and the drama between these relationships felt natural. Uh, I just don't know if I'd watch it again. I, I mean, I guess it would. It was pleasant enough, but it didn't do anything over and beyond for me other than just being a really enjoyable movie. Abe? Uh, I, I agree with everybody here. I mean, I really enjoyed Lady Bird as well. I think it, was, it really is grounded in its approach to how it's uh, dealing with this coming of age. And also, it, it probably has one of the more realistic college acceptance scenes I've ever seen because of the envelope <laughs> size. Uh, which I, I always hate in movies whenever they're like, you've been accepted, and it's like the really small yeah. trifold envelope. That really annoys me a lot because that's not how college works. <laughs> but um, uh, I what I enjoyed about it was that it's also this portrayal of sort of to Jordan's point. Sure, there's not a whole lot of splash in it, but that's kind of what Lady Bird's all about. I mean, like the, it's in Sacramento. It starts out with a quote saying that if you've never experienced Sacramento in Christmas time, you kind of don't really know what boredom is or I'm paraphrasing, but um, there's just not a whole lot of incident in it, which reminded me a lot of something like boyhood where people were like, well, this is a boring movie and there's just, you know, there, nothing's happening. It's like, that's kind of how life is sometimes. Um, and I'm not making excuses for it. It's just the way that, that I saw it was uh, grounded. It was real. And I love the acting from almost everybody here, including like uh, killer Joe writer, Tracy Letts, but Laurie Metcalf, Fantastic! I've never seen Laurie Metcalf aside from TV stuff, um, you know, from Roseanne and maybe some small uh, screen roles here and there. But uh, she was terrific in here. And Saoirse Ronan, uh, she's really strong in Best Actress category. And I would be kind of bummed out if she either didn't get nominated or if she didn't win. Although I haven't seen the rest of the slate of the movies coming out in the rest of the she, year. She, she's kind of a lock right now, Abe. I mean, you're, as far okay. as getting nominated, so you don't have to worry well, in too terms much of about it. Okay, great. Yeah, that's fantastic, because I think that she she portrays some really uh, great stuff in here. Greg Erwig's writing, pretty point on, or on point, and her directing is also... Some scenes you can definitely tell were from her experience with her boyfriend, Noah Baumbach, and also some, some uh, uh, Wes Anderson-type stuff where... You know, quick cuts and also some funny cuts here and there. But uh, on the whole, I thought it was a pretty grounded movie just in terms of growing up kind of with um, money problems and also just growing up uh, and trying to get away from everything that you've been – you're rebelling so much so that you, when you do get away, you're just like, you know what? kind of wasn't that bad. I mean, it's going to be just nothing but praise for this movie here because it it, it is great. I, I think this movie is fantastic. Uh, it is a hilarious comedy. Uh, the thing I want to speak to, Abe, you just kind of started bringing it up as far as how it's shot. Um, I think the editing in this movie is terrific. Um, there is there's a way it approaches scenes where 
you the way it builds to certain things you could go and you could kind of like layer in thoughts on uh, like additional information on each scene to kind of give it padding or to make it last longer than it needs to to over explain how things are playing out or why things are happening the way they are but the movie does a lot of cutting it does a lot of like cut to the next scene cut to the next shot cut to the there's no real time for reactions because it realizes you don't need it it speaks to what jordan you're saying where I understand that there's a familiar story being told here because it's a coming of age story about a high school kid. You've seen a lot of those. I mean, that's understandable. But I think the what makes Lady Bird unique beyond having its own set of characters, as every movie does, is how without incident it is. It, it really, like, Abe, you were mentioning actually as well, or it's just it doesn't try to go too far into scenes that you get the idea of. It gives you the basic setup for it, gives you some kind of punchline or you know, result and then moves to the next thing. And by doing that, it incorporates an entire senior year of high school um, in a very entertaining manner. It allows you to kind of take in all these performances without feeling like they're like the Laurie Metcalf character. If this was like a longer movie, if it had like more fat on it, um, you could probably find some of these characters annoying or not want to like them right. as much. But because it's really to the point and also, you know, hilarious, it never really wears out its welcome and it never makes you feel, you know, too invested in a way where you really want a thing to happen one way and it doesn't or vice versa like you're just really you're really embroidered into these the lives of these people without being feeling like you're stuck with them and i think that's for, for a film like this which has a lot of people arguing with each other it's great you can easily not like ladybird but because of the way it's built and the way it's structured it's it's a great character and Sarah Ronan is great in this movie and so is Laurie Metcalf and I'll spot, I, I think Tracy Letts is also really good in this movie. I know Laurie Metcalf really Metcalf and Ronan they're going to get the most of praise here but Tracy Letts has been becoming like this stealth supporting player in a lot of movies in recent years. He's gone for, <laughs> like he's he's in a lot of things like if you look at his filmography he's all over the place in like the past 4 years and it's yeah. it's impressive but he's great in this movie as the dad. Like I love the the way they incorporate his character like why he like there's I think lesser movies don't quite have enough for one half of the parental units to do sometimes, you know, if you know what I mean, where it's usually like the mother and daughter bond or the father and son bond. And meanwhile, you have like, right. the other parent that's either dead or just is kind of like a slacker and not involved or whatnot. And, you know, there's reasons for that. If, depending well, on usually what happens is that that other half of the parent has like one really, you know, nice intimate scene at the end of the movie yeah, where you're like, oh, OK, all right. Well, yeah. I guess the dad's not all that bad. He he has been paying attention. Yeah. But it, no, this one incorporates them pretty much evenly. And there's also points where um, they incorporate them together in such a way that you, again, really makes the world collide. I'm kind of more so thinking along lines of when Laurie Metcalf is, is lecturing Lady Bird, and he's like, you don't think that you're hurting your father when you ask him to drop you off like three blocks earlier? He's like, oh, shit. You know, it's like, wow, this is this is uh, something that you don't really see a lot of in movies where mother-daughter relationships or father-daughter relationships or or whatever the case. Yeah, it's just a great ensemble in general. I mean, Kenny, you mentioned Lois Smith. She is great here. And it's, yeah. She has little, she has only a few scenes, but like they work. Uh, the, the, the friends that, that Lady Bird has, like I mean, you have, um, Lucas Hedges in there for a little bit. You have Timothy Chalamet, who's also in Call Me By Your Name, and Hostiles, and like one other thing. He's everywhere, this kid. He's, he's everywhere. He was in Interstellar, too. <laughs> he was in Interstellar. But I mean, this year alone, he has like four movies that he's right, <laughs> It's yeah. like he's all over the place. I mean, we're going to get to Lucas Hedges, who's also in the next movie. <laughs> yeah, Lucas, yeah, I forgot yeah, he is in both movies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's just, a, it's a great mix of like characters that have big roles and like little side characters, like the, the theater 
both theater teachers, I guess. Who was also in uh, Manchester by the Sea with Lucas Hedges. Yeah, Stephen McKinley Henderson. He's, yeah, he's <laughs> but then also the PE coach that replaces him. Like, there's just a lot of... That gets re- hilarious. There's a lot of really funny stuff in here, and that's why it hits me so well. Like, it's... There's relatable qual. I mean, it's set in the early 2000s, which... Abe, you and I are both kind of like around... We were finishing up high school. Yeah, we were finishing up high school around the same time. Like, it's very... There's some there's some soundtrack choices. I'm like, yep, that that fits. That's that's what that's what's going on here. Uh, but yeah, it's, I I really enjoy this movie. I enjoyed it a lot uh, for a number of reasons. I think it's just a really well done film. Yeah. There's a uh, I really want to shout out uh, Beanie Mayfield scene as well. She's she plays the best friend, and um, what I liked about it is that it's not as though okay, well you know. Uh, it's not as though she's going to go off and do amazing things. I, I, there's like this really nice, tender, heart to heart scene at the end there where she's just like, I'm probably just going to end up going to community college, man. And she's like, dude, we at least uh, I'm sure that Aaron and I have known a lot of people that have taken that route as well, where it's like not everybody goes off to a four year university right away kind of thing. So um, I just appreciate the writing in that there. There's a lot of true to life writing for sure. Uh, what else? What else we don't talk about? I mean, there's I was a lot. Curious of... What you guys had? What was your take on on her joining the cool click? As far as kind of when she, well, she does it for a little bit of time. Then did you feel as though that was kind of just a, a story element of just to say, okay, well, you know what? Here we'll we'll try to incorporate other other clicks of high school into the movie and have her progress through it, or was it something that you felt was kind of, I guess, earned? Well, I think it speaks to this kind of journey she's going on as far as her whole thing is she wants to like live life and experience things and she doesn't quite she's not too assured about where she's going next after high school and so the idea of meeting other people and like she sees what it's because like she sees a boy that she's interested in the timothy shalway character which kind of eventually leads into that yeah i I think it it works naturally you guys have any thoughts on this (laughs) I thought, I, see, I, I think it comes back to your point, Aaron, of the the quick edits, <clears throat> which I appreciated because it does allow the movie to cover a ton of ground in a short amount of time. But then I think the side effect of that is, I think it was that in particular, and then also the scene with the mother, uh, and not really giving anything away, but the mom just like having a really, really angry kind of extreme reaction to what is unequivocally good news at the end. And you you understand why she does it, but with the quickness that the film has laid out, to me, it came across as like a bit of a whirlwind, which I think to your point is maybe part of the point is we're going to present all these things and you're going to take it as a complete package and we're not going to give you time to react. Uh, So I, I see why they did it, but I think those two scenes in particular, and then, uh, like the exact scene we're talking about is her going to the popular kids. I was like, whoa, yeah. right? Kind of just happened really quick. So, yeah, I got the feeling too. Just uh, it it happened fairly quickly, and I didn't so much mind it. But uh, I mean, I, I'm basically just agreeing with with both you and Aaron. Of just it, there's not a whole lot of fat, so there's not a whole lot of well, you know, she's turning into this really ugly character now, and, and now I can see why her. Uh, I'm waiting for the arc to go back to wherever it was previously or to, to have some sort of realization. But um, yeah, it just happened so quickly, but it was kind of, I kind of cast it off as uh, well, she, she does want to try things out, but also it's just, 
it's kind of just more speaks to the clicks that you sort of maybe see in high school. I mean, I, maybe I mean, that got cast as high school kids being high school kids. They're fickle. They make impulsive yeah, choices and do true. things. Uh, yeah. and, and it's, I can understand where in like film language, it might not be giving me enough room to like, feel like the, there's been enough established to understand certain choice, but at the same time, it's like, I, do I need much more? Do I need much more to understand why, why she why she's making an impulsive decision as a teenager no, not like, at all. Oh, that makes not sense to all. me or even yeah. speaking to like the the mother's reaction which you mentioned jordan that that's a trickier territory at the same time i i get it like i feel like the film establishes her the kind of the monetary situation they're in throughout enough where i understand the drama in within their family that would cause a reaction that's not the greatest when it comes to the news that she received it's trying to not to mm-hmm. i guess spoil things um, what what else about this movie? <laughs> I just want to say that I mean we basically mentioned it, but it's a very lean movie. It's like ninety four time ninety four minutes running, and that's including credits, right? It's quick, so yeah. it's very lean, um, and that kind of lends itself to getting you in and out of the movie, but also kind of uh, connecting you enough to Lady Bird. I I didn't have as crazy an emotional reaction as I've been reading some people having, but um, I did appreciate it a lot. I mean I. I I got where it was trying to go, and um, it was nice. It was a nice little wrap-up. You have more thoughts, Kenny? I know you talk, you, you saw it a little while ago, um, but I'm trying to think if maybe we jarred your memory of somebody with some thoughts on it. Yeah, no, I mean, just kind of how it offered different experiences of high school, kind of as you guys were talking about, it was kind of, I guess, needed to kind of be kind of her journey. Like, I do recall the scene where she didn't want the popular girl to be inside her house, I believe. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, and and I just kind of really found that to be really telling is that like, like she she was okay with, um, I guess the boy being in her house or I guess not. I mean, not as against um, like the the girl being in the house. I guess um, it was like because like with with, seen, with with um Lucas Edges' character, it was like he they were more honest with each other. But the whole yeah that turn she takes in that kind of the middle act is where she starts to kind of lie about the position she's in, like, in her life. And so she has, right. like she says, she's in, like, a, a better house than she actually lives in and that kind of thing. So she's trying to, like, yeah. she's, trying to she's trying to impress people. She's trying to impress people by yeah. being something she's not, which is, you know. Exactly. Yeah. And he he even kind of liked it, too. Like, I don't know if you remember that line when he goes, there are actual train tracks in your neighborhood. Like, he found that to be really, like, endearing. Yeah. You know? Thank you for letting Lady Bird come to my grandmother's Thanksgiving, Mrs. McPherson. No, no more politeness. Call me Marion. Oh, well, nice to meet you, Mr. McPherson. Please, call me Mr. Larry McPherson. (laughs) (laughs) Sit down, Danny. Can I get you something to drink? Oh, no, I'm fine. Hey, I'm Miguel, the brother. I think Lady Bird wants to make an entrance. She's mad we don't have a spiral staircase. (laughs) (laughs) Shelly. What? Is my name. Oh, hi. Hi. It's funny, on my way over here, I went over the train tracks. Oh, you took H Street. Right, and so Lady Bird always says that she lives on the wrong side of the tracks, but I always thought that that was like a metaphor. Oh. But there are actual train tracks. Oh, hi, you look amazing. What the hell is in the duffel bag? Don't worry about it, jeez. <laughs> my grandmother will love that dress. You know, as opposed to the popular girl when she walks in to the kitchen, and it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just kind of awkward, especially for... Um, Ronan's character. 
Yeah. Well, I love the question she asks her, which is like, are we still friends? And the girl, <laughs> and the girl was just like, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what you would say in that situation either. <laughs> there's a lot of like, just really, sn- I mean, it, there's a lot of screwball comedy in this in general. Like there's a lot of just snappy lines that move back and which again, I mean, it speaks to the editing. Why can't I just make the eggs? Because you take too long, you make a big mess, and I have to clean the whole thing up. Eggs aren't good for the environment anyways. What? You heard her. Quickly, please. Look at all these pictures. Every newspaper looks like USA Today. Shelly and I are trying to be vegan. Hence the soy milk. You wear leather jackets. But they're vintage, so they don't support the industry. They aren't done. There's white stuff. You know how much you love Brambles? Pigs are smarter than him, even. I never thought Brambles was a genius, okay? Mom, the eggs are not done. Fine, make your own fucking eggs. I wanted to. You won't let me. Sister doesn't like me. I'm hungry. She does. Get your chance. Go to bed. But, I mean, it speaks to the writing as well. I think there's a lot of what Gerwig has done in, in her films with, with Baumbach in particular because the mumblecore stuff, I mean, that's all. That's a lot of improv. And then there's obviously these other movies too. But things like Greenberg or Francis Ha or Mistress America, like they're they. What I like about those films and like her collaboration with Bombach is how she's warmed him up a lot. Where I tend to think Noah Bombach films in the past, there's Squid a, and the Whale, Squid and the Whale, uh, uh, Margot at the Wedding. There's a lot of there's uh, there's an acidic quality to them where the characters yeah. are very mean <laughs> no matter how real it might feel it's just it's depressing to watch at times to see these characters and how awful they can be where the yeah. films with with Gerwig she's brightened him up like cuz hopes cuz she's co-writing with him on some of them but also just the the characters she's plays are so like they're flightier and they're more fun to be around or at least they lend to scenarios that are more fun and that's very much here with Ladybird like in the Whatever's you know rubbed off on her in the years that she spent making you know some, you know these kinds of movies or whatnot, it's played well into her actual like jumping into a you know a directorial project. And this is, and I said solo because she she did a one of the Mumble, Mumblecore films as a co-directing job like a number oh, of years ago. Okay. So so I'm very specific, so we don't get called out in the out now message boards about what me incorrectly stating things. But yeah, it's her first solo directorial project, and for I mean for my money, she does a great job here. I mean it's. Like you, you guys mentioned, it's not like super flashy as far as what you're highlighting, but that goes with the aesthetic of Sacramento and the kind of story she's trying to tell. I don't think it requires, mm-hmm. you know, some kind of elaborate Wes Anderson-like uh, series of shots that, you know, uh, scroll across the screen and show you all the different little details about every piece of clothing everybody's wearing. It's more about just showing you this kind of naturalistic look at this small town mixed with a lot of snappy dialogue. Yeah. I, I, well, I'll see it again for sure. And that's something that I kind of reserve for movies that I really enjoy come the end of the year, come award season. This so. is one I really look forward to seeing again. I, I, I've been yeah. getting all these screeners for movies and it's like, well, I don't really need to see Hostiles again. But it's about Lady Bird. It's like, what's one I'm looking forward to watching with Anna and just like having a good time with it because it's a really fun movie. It's, it's, yeah. it's really funny. Yeah, that's, that's funny you mention that because I'm looking forward to watching it with my two sisters who went to catholic school in the early 00s i think it was junior high into high school around that time there and there you go and my mom also that you know has a very strong personality as the uh, tracy let's character said about Lori's character yeah so i am really looking forward to watching it again especially with them and they are very excited to watch it nice. around uh, christmas time with me well, very cool let's uh um... yeah. Any other thoughts on Lady Bird before we wrap up? Rating time. Okay, let's get to it. Then let's, uh, when should people go and see Lady Bird? Hey, when should people see this movie? 
I think you should see it in theaters right now. All right. Uh, Jordan, why don't you people go and see Lady Bird? Yeah, I'll say go see it in theaters. It's the type of movie that I think needs to be supported in theaters, and it's it's a worthwhile trip, and it's a short trip to the theater. Mm-hmm. Kenny? Yeah, I would say um, uh, as soon as possible as well. Yeah, i certainly a fan of the film. I don't see a reason not to, especially now that it's spread pretty wide, So it's it's a, and it's making its money, so good on it for a yeah. small movie like this. Uh, so yeah, Lady Bird in theaters now. Let's move on, guys. Let's get to our next review for Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, comma, Missouri. Hey, you. What the hell is this? Advertising, I guess. I could arrest you right now if I wanted to. Before you do that, how about you go have yourself a look at that first billboard over there? So, Mildred Hayes, why did you put up these billboards? My daughter Angela was murdered seven months ago. It seems to me the police department is too busy torturing black folks and eating Krispy Kremes to solve actual crime. Dixon, I'm in the middle of my goddamn Easter dinner. Sorry, kids. I know, Chief, but I think we got kind of a problem. Sunshine beating on the good time. I'd do anything to catch your daughter's killer. I don't think those billboards is very fair. The time it took you to get out here whining like a bitch, Willoughby. Some other poor girl's probably out there being butchered right now. I saw you on TV the other day. Oh, yeah? Yeah, you look good. I mean, you came across really good. I think that guy wants to get my pants. <laughs> Father Montgomery. That should have been some of the trailer for Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Oscar-winning playwright Martin McDonough gave us the dark comedy drama In Bruges in 2008 and followed that up with the meta-gangster comedy Seven Psychopaths in 2012. Now he's back with an angry film about justice that just happens to be pretty funny with Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Frances McDormand stars as a mother who challenges the local authorities over their lack of results in solving her daughter's murder by renting three billboards calling out the town sheriff, played by Woody Harrelson. This is met with... Mixed reactions, to say the least. Let's start with Jordan. Jordan, were you have you seen the other Martin McDonough films that he's made so far in Bruges and Seven Psychopaths? Uh, if I saw Seven Psychopaths, I don't remember it, and I did see in Bruges. Uh, I liked that quite a bit. I wasn't prepped on it enough when I saw it, so no one really told me it was like a dark comedy. So when some of the first pretty dark stuff started happening, I was like, oh my god. Uh, <laughs> I like to be prepped for my dark comedies, and I get in a much better headspace but uh yeah i've seen a few of his past stuff okay and well what'd you think of three billboards <sighs> i loved it uh and i'll even add to that that i loved it and sitting on it for i think i saw it a week week and a half ago uh it's gotten even better kind of with age just thinking about it and coming back to it every once in a while um i think the performances in it are probably my favorite aspect outside of the dark comedy because the dark comedy is just so on point i don't in our audience i don't think there's a single joke that went without a laugh um (laughs) and and it's well-timed humor too it's not you can tell it's a film that's not consistently trying to make you laugh it decides when it wants to make you laugh uh and it does that so well and it chooses its right moments uh but then it also i think maybe something missing from his past films was or wasn't necessarily uh, the heartfelt aspect of it. And I did get that here. Um, There's just a lot of real 
uh, dramatic tension, I think, is the best way to put it, and just real conflict uh, that you could feel in this movie. And personally, to me, I'm I'm someone who likes a wide range of movies. I very much like my blockbusters. I like most indies that I see, but I think some of the indies that I disagree on the most with just like other people or critics are ones where I don't feel that conflict where it kind of just is like what's really happening here. Um, I, I didn't get that from three billboards at all. It felt like very real, very uh, dramatic conflict that uh, the conflict was dark too. I mean, it, it went to some dark places, both in a humor aspect and in a drama standpoint. And I think it just is a great film that, apparently ages pretty well granted it's only been a week and a half but my opinion of it has only improved since then hmm. kenny how about you what'd you think of three billboards um yeah i thought it was excellent as well i think it's um so far my top five of the year um i thought it was just a really um great dark comedy but the acting just every performance i mean was just I think the worst thing you'd say about it was very good, if not like great and you know kind of, kind of bigger adjectives like Francis McDormand was terrific, and um, Sam Rockwell was just engaging every moment he was on screen. Mm-hmm. And but also there, I feel like there's not enough like love or talk for Woody Harrelson in this. He's um, not really in it, and I, I'm like as much as the other characters per se, but there's definitely a scene involving him and a few, um, I guess letters Mm -hmm. that were really kind of, I guess, poignant and that were pretty key to, to certain moments that I really liked. And just really kind of just actually moved by, by his scenes as well. And I, 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 like, I kind of wish more people would be talking about his performance. Mm-hmm. Um, he was just really, really re- remarkable in it as well. But I mean, the whole, the whole cast. Like, I mean, I almost wanted this to be like a longer movie, or even maybe like an FX TV series. You know, I mean, it almost <laughs> had that vibe to it. You know. How about you, Abe? I really enjoyed this movie a lot. I don't know if I would say that I loved it, though, because um, everything you guys are saying is is very true. I really enjoyed the acting um, from everybody, uh, and that's including Francis McDormand all the way through to uh, John Hawks, who's in, like, two scenes. But he's terrific in those two scenes. I mean, even stuff that, uh, whatchamacallit, um, Caleb Landry Jones is doing, I mean, it's... It's it's really good nuanced performance from all these folks. Um, some of them you can feel their anger, you can feel the spite much more, um, and you're rooting for these characters quite a bit actually. Uh, depends on which side, but I was I found myself just like, no man, I I'm gonna burn a whole lot of bridges just like Francis McDormand is doing too. I mean, I really want to get to the bottom of this case. And I think what kind of holds it back is just maybe not uh, sort of maybe the ending a little bit. Um, I wasn't disappointed because I was just thinking to myself, this kind of is the way that it's probably going to be. Um, And then when you think about it after the fact, so sort of to Jordan's credit um, and Jordan's point of view, I was thinking about it afterwards and just kind of thinking about the movie and and realizing that it's a really good movie about uh, forgiveness and also about um, 
kind of figuring out how not to be an asshole, uh, <laughs> which which is, I know I, I know that I probably could have said that in a more eloquent manner, but that's that's really just um, that's why I think that, that's where we get uh, Jordan for that cop script. Yeah, <laughs> but that's also like what Kenny was saying with like a uh, some letter sequences where it's just like you know this is this actually really is really well done in a manner because. There's a lot of character arcing in this movie from almost everybody. I I I, I love Sam Rockwell. The way that he comes onto the screen, he's such like this degenerate that it's just like, how can you like this guy? And then just character arc turns, and you're just like, dude, this is amazing. This is an amazing performance by um, Sam Rockwell, and again by everybody. I, I'm keep on mentioning Sam Rockwell because there's this one point where he's on the phone with Francis McDormand. And this lone tear rolls down. I was like, that's acting right there. This is fantastic right here. And so kudos to Martin yeah. McDonough for a strong script and also great directing. Uh, I love In Bruges as, or In Bruges as well. I haven't seen Seven Psychopaths, but uh, if you've seen In Bruges, you kind of know that Martin McDonough loves dark comedies. So uh, And he loves things with, like I guess, morals. Because even in Bruges, Ray Fiennes kind of... Um, He's a man of morals, even though he's like this gangster guy. So um, I found this very, very well executed, very well done. I just, I'm not exactly sure where I've fallen in just yet. That was the end of your sentence. Um, yeah. <laughs> it kind of stopped. I was wondering. Okay. Yeah. Um, you don't need to convince me much about Sam Rockwell. I mean, I think he's been terrific all the time. So it's like, yeah, yeah. Here, here's she another. Back. Here's, here's another fantastic Sam Rockwell performance. Uh, Martin McDonough is five for five, or three, five for five as far as five stars out of five stars for me with all three of his <laughs> movies. Um, he's been killing it. I, I adore In Bruges. I. Seven Psychopaths was in my top five, if not top three that year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and this one, <laughs> there, there's this and one other movie that are uh, competing for a certain slot right now because I think Thrill Forwards is uh, fantastic. Uh, I've seen it twice so far. I look forward to watching it more times in the years to come. The movie is wildly timely <laughs> for a variety of reasons, along with a lot of other films uh, coming out this year that are and films that have come out this year but regardless of all that it's just really great it is a great uh, ensemble cast there's so many great performances here Frances McDormand easily shines I mean she's a great actress to begin with and giving this being one of her first leading roles in a long time she's been you know, doing a lot of supporting roles but this is one of her first leading roles in quite some time and it just she just knocks it out of the park it's fantastic uh, Sam Rockwell already mentioned but he's great Woody Harrelson Kenny I completely agree with you Woody Harrelson is great in this movie um, he's consistently good in films and he generally gets the credit for it just not necessarily for award stuff but like he's which ultimately, I mean, it's more about like how great you like this person not a matter of how many statues he gets to collect but at the same time he's really good here he 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 plays a character who's in a different film. He'd easily be like, they'd make him into kind of an antagonist or someone that's like against McDormand, but it's the way it twists that around and gives him his own kind of character to play and makes him basically a great person who just happens to be on the, you know, the bad end of the stick here as far as what he's being accused of. It's just, it's, it's sad and challenging all at the same time, which is the movie in general. There's so much sadness here and it is quite challenging, but it's so funny. There's so many great like dialogue exchanges and little jokes and even reaction such or the way it cuts to certain things. There's like scenes involving John Hawks' character, who's a terrible human being, a monster, and he has this like like this girlfriend on the side right now who the way they utilize her 
is so, like, hilarious that it just undercuts how awful John Hawks is being all the time, and it just makes the film that much better. Because instead of having to deal with just, you know, terrible people all the time, you get these great moments of humor that just interrupt it and make it so well done. And as far as kind of the reality of the film, like, it certainly hits on some things that you can see why they're taking place the way they are whatnot, but it's, as McDonough, he's a playwright, I certainly see a, a kind of a heightened sensibility to everything going on around here. Like, this town is all, kind of, this, there's this boiling rage going on with a lot of people in this town, and it just plays so well, or the way it's released by certain characters, namely Rockwell and McDormand, uh, mm-hmm. it's just, it's it's executed just to the, the, like, the best way possible. Hey, fuckhead! What? Don't say what, Dixon, when she comes in calling you a fuckhead? And don't you Shut come up! in here... You get over here. No. You get over here. All right. What? Don't, Dixon! What? I'm you do not allow a member of the public to call you a fuckhead in this station house. That's what I'm doing. I'm taking care of it in my own way, actually. Now, get out of my ass. Mrs. Hayes, have a seat. What is it I can do for you today? Where's Denise Watson? Denise Watson's in the clank. On what charge? Possession. Of what? Two marijuana cigarettes. Big ones. When's the bail hearing? I asked the judge not to give her bail on account of her previous marijuana violations, and the judge said, sure. You fucking prick. You do not call an officer of law a fucking prick in his own station house, Mrs. Hayes. Or anywhere, actually. What's with the new attitude, Dixon? Your mama been coaching you? No. My mama... Doesn't do that. Take them down. You hear me? I the characterization. Some of them are a little looser than others, as far as how definable they are by certain qualities. But I it doesn't it doesn't make me feel like they're shallow in any way. I I really like the little touches each actor brings to it. And you mentioned Caleb Landy Jones, for example. Eh? I mean, there's a great scene of him. There's a lot of great scenes of him, which is impressive. A lot of great scenes of him because yeah. he, I like that he keeps a shirt on in this movie. That's a good point. Right there. So that's a nice change of pace for as far as Caleb Landry Jones goes. But, as far as um, American made? Yes, they're just any trailer trash role that he plays, and there's been a number of them. Uh, but here he just plays like this this like smug dick guy, but he's like on the kind of the right side, I guess. But there's a great scene involving him with Sam Rockwell's character where something horrible's happened to him, but the way and, – and then it's like the result of that scene, it's later on, where – he realizes something, and he still does a good thing anyway. It's just little things like that throughout the movie are just make it so, so excellent to me. Like it, it's so it just it just capitalizes on all these great qualities so well. And personally, I really like the ending. I think the I think the there's a way where it could go into cliche territory easily, and it doesn't do that. Instead, it makes it, it way different by how characters respond to each other and where you end up with someone like Sam Rockwell, for example, he, he starts this movie. You mentioned it, Abe as he's an asshole. He doesn't stop being an asshole, but there's like the way the film arcs around him because this movie has like three arcs, like it, or two arcs. Really. I mean, it has multiple, but like Fred McDormand's like the main one and Rockwell's like the secondary arc and some others get some things too, like, as far as development and where they head and whatnot. But like Rockwell, there's so much trickiness to like you mentioned this, Abe. We're like we all know this, but there's so much trickiness to that performance where 
he's not a good person. And even by the end of this movie, it's not like he's, you know, no longer a racist or like doesn't still have like major issues with what he thinks and how he believes and stuff. But you certainly get like an appreciation for what he's trying to do, despite feeling conflicted about the person he is inside. And that's tricky territory to get into. That's like, that's not easy to do to make you feel empathetic for a person for certain reasons, despite other things that he's done in his life. And will probably keep, you know, doing like that's, that is, that's really, really interesting stuff. Well, I think that is, it's kind of just planted that perhaps there's hope there for Sam Rockrock's character. You know, maybe, maybe he'll be less of a dick to people in town now, even though, uh, you know, the first time that you see him, I mean, he's he's confronted by Jerome, and Jerome's just like, I, I don't I know who you are, kind of thing. It's like, yeah, you know, like okay, something bad must happen, kind of thing. But um, speaking of uh, what you call it, um, Woody Harrelson, because I, I do want to echo some praise onto the him as well. I mean, Woody Harrelson has has definitely become one of my favorite actors working in like the past like some odd years now. Um, I kind of never really take him seriously because I was just like, oh, the guy from Cheers. And all of a sudden, he's doing these roles where he's just really blended on. Um, he did get an Oscar nomination for The People vs. Larry Flint back in, like, 95. Like, yeah, yeah, so yeah. Like... I mean, again, still in his, his – I still saw him as Cheers. I'd actually never seen that movie. But, uh, <laughs> but you know – White so men can't jump, to... Abe. Um... Fantastic, by the way. He, t- he told them he could jam. Losing the money. Uh, but, no, just to echo your sentiments about – terrific acting in this movie i mean there's so much facial gameplay in this movie that's going on that it's it's just not fair for anybody like nobody is not bringing their a game is what i'm trying to say i agree <laughs> I, there's like the the wife uh, abby cornish who plays woody harrelson's well, wife i guess you used a real accent yeah, she. It's the, one of the, we don't need to question how an Australian woman like hers, you know, married to Woody Harrelson, but but, but yeah, she does. She doesn't really have to do much beyond just kind of. She has like one main scene really beyond just kind of being in other scenes, and it's like, all right, that's all I need. Like, I mean, it's in other movies you can say it's like short shrift to one of the few female characters of the movie, but it's like there's there's the way it provides room for certain people to have key moments works. Like, I I, I don't. I don't begrudge the movie for not having enough for certain characters to do because of how what's going on here. I mean, there's there could easily be more room for John Hawks' character to be even more terrible or Peter Dinklage yeah, to you, be you more get the, sweet. You get like the full brunt of it right away. You do. You know, he flips yeah. a fucking table and like <laughs> pushes her against a wall kind of thing. It's like, whoa, it's not what I was expecting at all. There's just there's a lot of great stuff here. Yeah, um, I want to ask you guys a question though. Yeah, um, what did you guys think of Peter Dinklage and kind of like his role in the movie? I thought it was. Uh, I guess now that I'm thinking back on it, and again, like I feel like my opinion on this movie continues to change for the positive. But I guess he was really the only part of the movie that I felt like was mostly there for humor mm-hmm. other than uh kind of the eye-opening declaration he makes to her not really near the end i think it was probably like three-fourths away through or something when she's just being uh pretty much a huge asshole to him to say on that theme right uh, mm-hmm. uh, but i enjoyed him i thought i thought he did great here i think peter dinklage is uh just tremendous actor for the most part and i thought it was I mean there's always going to be the Tyrion Lannister connection and any joke that comes with that but I think it was nice to see him outside of 
furs and swords and stuff like that. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. I, the, I, he, I, is, he did a good job. He has a, his line, it's a, such a throwaway. It means nothing compared to the rest of his role in the movie. But when he says, I like cheesy things, I'm going to look for cheesy things. Like, that just made me crack up so much. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a, it's, he's at this, like, uh, fancy steak restaurant. And he's right. like, I like cheesy things. <laughs> but yeah. no, I think what I, what I think really, the his, I mean, there's a variety of things going on with him uh, as far as even how he explains himself. But what I like is how you get him to have a better reflection of who Francis McDormand is. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 the fact that he is the way he is as far as his pursuit of her and his kind of how the town looks at him, seeing her interactions with him and how that plays out, it really adds to the Mildred character. Yeah. Which, I guess what I was driving at was I was like, why is Peter Dinklage in this movie? Um, and later become, he becomes a, a critical person in the movie uh, in terms of just character arcs. So I was like, oh, this is it was it was odd to have Peter Dinklage kind of there. But at the same time, you know that he's he's always been there uh, because he shows up early in the movie. Right. So I was just curious what you guys what your take on it overall. But it's the kind of I thing where you, where you when you cast Peter Dinklage, you're like. Well, he just showed up for one scene. Hmm, I wonder what he was going to happen to him because it's like you know he's going to come back in some way. So it's like I, I, just... I wasn't sure. I was just like, oh, maybe they just have like all these A list, you know, name brand guys. Well, see, that's like that's it's too much of a big like, you know, that's a too much of a notable person for me to be like, oh, yeah. he's never going to come back. Like I'm just like, okay, like yeah. you know, like there's there's something neat. That's I'm he's there as like a good reminder, so I'm not like surprised by him when he comes back. It's like oh, that guy's yeah. going to come back. It's like oh, Peter Dinklage. Okay, yeah, he's here. Like yeah. and it's a lot of little little things like that there's um i think the um the guy that plays the 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 replacement cop character to put it yeah yeah, the guy from the wire Uh, yeah clark peters he's great in this like the way he kind of comes in and like sees sam rockwell and handles him uh, that was hilarious that was a hilarious exchange there's there's even like there's there's a, like a framing moment that's hilarious where Sam Rock was kind of yelling things from the side and like it cuts to a shot of like a pillar and he just kind of leans back so you see he's in frame all of a sudden and just like looks at him and says it's just little like directorial touches like that really make the film sing also just the way it the way it finds humor in location and exchanges is ph- phenomenal and you have these great little bit part actors that are doing so much here it's, yeah it's it's good stuff yeah how did you guys feel on the overall, uh, I guess, the case that's trying to be solved? Why, why Francis Jordan is sort of putting in these billboards? Did you guys feel like, well, that's the way that I kind of expected the the case to go or the way that I expected the movie to go? Or did you feel as though there, there probably should have been more, maybe less? I don't know. What's your take on that? I certainly, you know, you root for certain things, I guess, just because of the nature of, you know, wanting something wanting justice to take place when you see that there's a wrongdoing in some way and the way the film resolves that scenario i was very impressed with not a matter of i didn't necessarily see it coming but i feel like the film's more rewarding because of the way it handles it Hmm. yeah and i thought that i think one of my favorite aspects about the film was watching the trailer you kind of think that it's going uh one fairly politically charged way uh, just from like a few quips that are dropped in the trailer and stuff like that. And uh, I think coming back to Woody Harrelson's character, you realize that uh, maybe the trailer, the way it was cut, was not exactly the full story. It was a bit of a misdirect to a certain extent because 
I think we've all mentioned that you do start to feel for Woody Harrelson's character and the difficult position that he's been placed in and that a lot of what's going on is not necessarily his fault. I'd do anything to catch the guy who did it, Mrs. Hayes, but when the DNA don't match no one who's ever been arrested, and when the DNA don't match any other crime nationwide, and when there wasn't a single eyewitness from the time she left your house to the time we found her, well, right now, there ain't too much more we can do. Could pull blood from every man and boy in this town over the age of eight. There's several rights laws prevents that, Mrs. Hayes. And what if he was just passing through town? Pull blood from every man in the country, then. And what if he was just passing through the country? If it was me, I'd start up a database. Every male baby what's born, stick him on it. And as soon as he'd done something wrong, cross-reference it, make 100% certain it was a correct match, then kill him. Yeah, well, there's definitely civil rights laws prevents that. I'm doing everything I can to track him down. I don't think those billboards is very fair. The time it took you to get out here whining like a bitch, Willoughby. Some other poor girl's probably out there being butchered right now. But I'm glad you got your priorities straight. I'll say that for you. So I think, for me, that was where the film really won me over, is focusing less on, I think, just solving the mystery and more so on the characters themselves and kind of elaborating all of their arcs. I, mm -hmm. I I agree with that. I, I do think like the, the, the it's not it is not a mystery like the, the movie itself. Like that's yeah, certainly yeah. a central development as far as why things are happening the way they are. But as far as how the movie handles it, it's more about these characters and the the, the way they're dealing with the aftermath of something. Which is why you know the movie is it is about kind of it's about forgiveness to a point, but it's also about anger and resentment. And it has some really dark themes and, th and ideas on how we handle the establishment and whatnot, which I, I think is potent for, uh, you know, something coming out around, you know, now, um, which I know McDonough did not write with the intention of this. Things just sort of kind of the, the way things have happened in this country in recent years. Uh, it's kind of the movie happens to <laughs> focus on things. Um, yeah. But the, the movie is kind of all the better for it as far as having happening to have ties and giving it more it grounds it more i've already mentioned that i think the film does have a heightened quality to it but it is there is things you can root this film in that i think benefit it any other uh, thoughts on three billboards oh i i want to mention the cinematography which i thought was excellent oh um, i agree I, I think that there was the, i kind of first noticed it right in the beginning uh when you're seeing Frances mcdormand kind of i guess in her car and you just there's beautiful lighting all around, so cinematography was was very very well done. It reminded me very much of a Coen Brothers film, actually. It, it, and in fact, interesting because I because of how bad Suburbicon was, uh, <laughs> it, it was like this is what that this is what Suburbicon was trying to do, and this movie did it so much better. Uh, Suburbicon being kind of a thrown away script by the Coens that George Clooney <laughs> took and made terrible. Um, and <laughs> where, I don't disagree. I'm just like, yeah. Where this movie, it, it, it even has similar ideas at its core. Not necessarily, this one's less about what Suburbicon was trying to be about. Um, but the way it's, you know, using a kind of a Southern location, these types of characters, what have you, you can see the, you can see these people in a Coen Brothers movie. I could easily see that. And even the score by Carter Burwell, who's, always done the Cohen scores like it it works to that degree but yeah as far as the look of the film goes I can see this coming in 
you know, something like their work. And it that is to say, Coen Brothers make very good-looking movies, and this movie is also very good-looking. <laughs> like in the, yeah. and yeah, yeah, I think that even though it's filmed in North Carolina, um, it does a great job of representing a kind of small town and showing you even like the, just the basic geography, you get it. It's like, you know, it's like a two street town that has like a neighborhood around her, you know, that kind of thing. And yeah. it works. I mean, you get the idea of this, these billboards that are just kind of out in the middle of nowhere, but everyone in town knows the, like the way they, the way, even the way they speak to each other, where like, was it Caleb Andrew Jones says like one thing about describing the area of like who would see these billboards. And then like Sam Rockwell says like the exact same thing about where they are later on. Like it just, right. it works. Yeah. I thought like, that was actually, uh, I wasn't sure if that was coincidence or just, yeah, again, how small the town was. So I guess there's just how small the town was. Is that it emphasizes that this is like a McDonough world that he's created here. Like all, <laughs> all the characters have a certain way of speaking and it fits. A McDonough world. Yeah. McDonough world. You know, it's, it's outside of, uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, Reba, Reba, was it? Is like Reba has a world or something? Like, I'm uh, waiting. Yeah, I'm waiting. <laughs> anyway, like great, you know, outside of Graceland and and Dollywood. That's what I'm thinking. Dollywood. It's right, right by those. McDonald sure. World. That works. Yeah. I had it. Yeah, no, <laughs> it, it, you did. It. Kudos to you because sometimes I just let it go. I'm just like, all right, forget it, move on. I wasn't yelling it out later. I was gonna think of it now. I got it. <laughs> Uh, all right. Um, no other thoughts. Any? Where, when should people go and see Three Billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri? Uh, uh, Jordan. Uh, whatever I see next week, not counting, I would say Three Billboards is what you see before you go see Star Wars. <laughs> uh, Kenny, when should people see this movie? Um, I would say uh, immediately because it's going to be, I think in a few years, it's going to be a... Um, like a potential kind of cult classic that people will reference and um yeah i yeah like yeah so i i think in order to kind of get bragging rights you know that you you saw it in the theater and especially with an audience too i think that would really enhance it there were just so many moments that people were just unexpectedly laughing or kind of obnoxiously laughing or just kind of cringing at yeah. And I mean, watching a, a movie like this with a crowd, I think, really, really makes a big difference. Abe? So I don't like to do this often, but um, it's it's certainly worth seeing in the theaters because of everything we talked about, the filmmaking aspect, but also because it's a small movie and you should support these kind of movies um, just because, you know, in order for them not to go directly to Netflix or Amazon, you know, you should support them and see them in the large screens. But I would say that you could probably wait for uh, um, kind of like a, a rental on this. You sound ridiculous. I know, which is why it's like I, again, I'm still working through my feelings. I'm like, I'm like uh, Jordan here. I'm, I'm still thinking about it like every day. Yeah, but Jordan keeps thinking about it better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not Nord with it. All right. Uh, yeah, I love this movie. Uh, I'm happy to recommend it. I'm very happy that it's like just in the top ten with Ladybird right now. They both like made four million dollars this weekend, and they're just like gonna keep making making some money as the award season goes on. And they're you know they're little movies. They don't cost that much, so it's like okay, good. They're like they're not only like being a hit with critics, but like audiences are like, yeah, we should go see that movie, and we did, and we feel good about it. That kind of thing. So it works out. Um, so yeah, let's um. No three billboards. Let's move on now, Abe. Let's, uh, damn, I really want to do a game. We don't have a game, though. No, 
let's, let's move on. Let's, we wouldn't do games anyway. We still have feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. This is where we go over the various questions and answers on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash outnowpodcast. We asked a number of questions for you, the listener, and then you listeners gave us some questions that we can answer. So, <laughs> Very well done. I thought so. Uh, first question we asked everybody, and feel free to add in your comments too, Jordan and um, Kenny. Uh, Kenny. Um, but first question we asked everybody, what is your favorite film about kids attending private or religious schools? Adam writes Rushmore, Cruel Intentions, and Dead Poet Society. Justin has Lord of the Flies. Greg has Lost and Delirious and Toy Soldiers. Brandon has Saved. Uh, Joe has Johnny Darko. Chris has The Omen. Tyler has Halloween H2O. Josh has Cracks. Gary writes The Prime of Miss Jean Brody. And lastly, Jordan writes The Black Coat's Daughter. I am a fan of The Black Coat's Daughter. That's from this year. I like that movie quite a bit. I I would second that one. Rushmore was like the the one I was thinking Rushmore of as I was as, as I was writing this question. That's the movie I was thinking of. So it took like seven responses before Adam finally wrote that one. In, so. <laughs> we would have mentioned it. I know it was just funny that it, looked, it took that long. <laughs> Did you guys have anything to add? I'll second the Dead Poets Society. There you go. Yeah. And I'm a big Rushmore fan. All right. There you go. Next question here: favorite film featuring a mother daughter relationship. Uh, Justin writes, first thing that popped in my head was Brave. Uh, contrary to popular belief, I did like it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks for clearing that up, Justin. <laughs> uh, Gary writes, Terms of Endearment. Uh, Renee writes, I have to agree with Gary. As devastated as I always get when watching James O'Brook's masterpiece, it is an amazing movie. Uh, Chris writes, Byzantium was good. And Greg writes, Byzantium. That's the... That's another series you're running, right? Byzantium. Byzantium? Yeah, it's like a it's like a vampire movie, I think. Do you know this uh, one, Kenny? Do you know Byzantium? It sounds familiar. It's I... yeah, it's Hesiod Sharonin. Yeah, it's it's a okay. it's, it's like an Irish vampire movie with her and uh, Ge- hmm. Gemma Arterton. Uh, it's from Neil Jordan directed. It's like a, from like a few years back. I never actually saw. Twenty twelve. Yeah. There you go. Oh, it's best off a play. That's Caleb Brandy Jones. Oh, Jeez. gotta see it. <laughs> we, gotta, we gotta see if he's I'm, like complete, I'm completing the Landry Jones collection here guys I gotta, gotta see it the Landry Jones collection good one alright next question is what films reminded you of your own upbringing or adolescence Justin has can't hardly wait Preston was me in high school almost to the letter and uh, Gary has stand by me did you guys have any that really remind you of your own upbringing or adolescence well good fellas obviously because Ever since I was a kid, I always wanted to be a gangster. Uh, yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, I've seen you do a whole bunch of cocaine and hide stuff in your bathroom toilet as well. And then, then office space because I was always saying to myself, "Damn, it feels good to be a gangster." <laughs> you played Michael Bolton for Halloween one year, right? <laughs> but, um, I can't. I can't think of like a, a movie that was like, "Oh wow, this really represents my upbringing or adolescence." I can think of movies that I. That I love from adolescence and, and my upbringing, but that's a different question altogether. Well, there's, there's movies where like I reminded, like Lady Bird reminded me of things. Uh, Dope reminded me of things. Dope. Like I mean, yeah. That's it, in texting my friends this week when I was just telling them to go watch Lady Bird. I actually said, you know, it reminds me of Dope in terms of its groundedness, except it's more grounded than Dope. So I was like, yeah, I'm glad that we both thought of Dope. Or even like uh, Scott Pilgrim. There's a lot of ways people speak. You in that had movie a girlfriend that had 17 ex boyfriends from another world. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, but the way characters reference video games and music and what have you, th- those are a lot of things that remind me of things. Like this. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I have a specific one. I'm kind of the same way as Abe. Is a lot of movies I liked when I was younger remind me of that, but one particular for is there like a white kid, <laughs> white young, life's really not that hard, male king, king of age. <laughs> yeah, there's plenty of those. <laughs> what perks of being a wallflower is all about a white kid. That's the problems aren't that bad. <laughs> Wait, he's got terrible problems. I'm kidding. I because he's depressed and all that. <laughs> yeah, he like, tried to kill himself. <laughs> Kings of summer. There, how about that one? <laughs> is that, that easier? Pick us along in the shower. Way way back, that kid has no problems. He's just kind of like, oh, my mom. Way way back. Yeah, you can dance with Sam Rockwell, dude. If Sam Rockwell was your boss, that'd be great. If he dancing with Sam Rockwell is great, like, that's that's all you need. I know. I was actually kind of bummed out he didn't dance in this movie, but I was like, you know, no, he does. We thought he's on the Walkman when the when the um when when they find out bad news, he's on his Walkman oh, like doing a dance. Is he dancing? He's he's not mo- he's, he's moving. Like, <laughs> all right, all right. Don't all don't right. deny me Sam Rockwell dances. Next, well, speak, great segue. Next question is, what is your favorite Sam Rockwell performance? Justin has, I haven't seen Moon, but want to. And Get Charlie's, on that, Justin. I know. That's a, great, <laughs> that's a great Sam Rockwell performance. Charlie's Angels and Choke are his answers. Farron has Moon. Chris writes, yep, Moon and Seven Psychopaths. And lastly, Gary has three billboards easily. Um, I love Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Um have him as Chuck Barris is fantastic. Moon's a great one too, but yeah, I just have to shout out Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. I want to shout that out too. I don't think there's really a bad Sam Rockwell performance. I mean, we were joking about we love Way Way Back, but he's really good in that movie. Yeah, Sounds he's great Way Way Back in that movie. But um, uh, yeah, no Sam Rockwell, good guy. Any, any particular ones for for you guys? I need to get on seeing Moon. Oh, Moon's great. Yeah, go see oh, it. Moon's fantastic. Yeah, I know. I need to see it. It's not long. Uh, either. I, I, th- not I thought he out. was great here. I'm not super well versed in Sam Rockwell performances, so I'll cop out and say this one. But I don't think that discredits what he did in Three Billboards. Oh, at all. for sure. Yeah, this is not at all. This, Again, this is on the top ten list for me as far as Sam Rockwell. It really moved me. So. Oh, Matchstick yeah, Men. Yeah. Sorry, I forgot Matchstick Men. Matchstick Men's great Matchstick. too. I love Matchstick Men. He's great with, uh, with Nick Cage. Nick Cage. Yeah. I'm sorry, what were you saying, Kenny? Now, actually, by oh. the way, Magic Man, that was that was where, where Ridley Scott edited out Kevin Spacey to replace Sam Rockwell in all the scenes. It was pretty pretty spectacular for him to do that back then. He really hates wow. Kevin Spacey. That's, you know, it's a little known fact. <laughs> yeah, clearly. <laughs> he keeps casting him, then recasting him in the movie later on. <laughs> sorry, Kenny, what was that? Oh, no, I really liked him in Way, Way Back as well, but I, I also own Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, so that was an awesome reference. Yeah. By the way, I haven't seen Poltergeist 2014, 2015. And you still don't need to. Okay. So <laughs> there you go. No, I'm just asking, is that a Sam Rockwell performance I need to see? No, it's not. No. <laughs> it's, it's not It's not one. <laughs> just watch more F for Family. You can do that. He's, he's a voice F in that, right? Family? Yeah, <laughs> just keep watching that. <laughs> he's a good neighbor. Yeah. Um... <laughs> cleared that one right up for you <laughs> yeah, thank you you know what he's great in iron man too i'm gonna show, throw that one right there he, he, he dances in iron man he dance he does dance in iron man too <laughs> uh all right <laughs> he says some like t- he has, keep in, in mind 
yeah, keep in mind, I'm a, I'm a big champion of Iron Man 2. Not as far as best MCU film or anything like that, but I, I do enjoy watching it. it mainly because it's such a great cast. Like, you have all these people in there. But he has one thing where he's, like, on a stage. He just came out dancing. And he's talking about, like, the presses. Like, how, like, how newsworthy his, like, Iron Man suits are going to be. And he yeah. says, like, the presses are going to run out of ink. And, like, the audience is just, like, silent. Like, there's no response to this joke. <laughs> it's like, that. that's how great this is going to be. It's just, like, it's these great little moments that he brings to movies. The more Sam Rockwell, the better. That's what I'm saying when it comes to films. Yeah, they credited Justin Thoreau. He wrote the screenplay. I that seems like a little Sam Rockwellism, like just the way he the <laughs> he way just did it himself. Well, it's, well, it's he all it's, it. well, it's way it's all in delivery. Just the way he delivers, it's like this, yeah. the way he does it. Okay. Anyway, big, next question. All right. Favorite film about injustice? Uh, Farron writes Murder in the First. Nathan writes Mississippi Burning. Chris writes Paths of Glory and Django Unchained. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't need to do that, but I did. <laughs> because we've all... It's weird that you did it because on the show, you're, we're known for saying the D is silent. Well, when it comes to the when it comes to Wayne, The Rock, The D is silent, Johnson, yes. That's when we definitely don't hold the D against him. But, you know. Gary, <laughs> but we'll do it for Django. Yeah, Django. <laughs> Gary writes Selma. Renee writes A Time to Kill. And Justin writes A Few Good Men. Favorite films about Injustice. Uh, I'm glad that somebody shout out Murder in the First. I mean, that movie was like Kevin Bacon doing some really good acting. Um, I'm glad someone shouted out Paths of Glory because that's just a great damn movie. So there. True that. True that. Favorite movies about injustice? I mean, there's a lot of them, and I, I keep on thinking of like a lot of law movies, but yeah. I'm pretty sure that there's tons of tons you know, of justice being served in those movies. <laughs> yeah, no, just in, in other genre type movies. You know, no no need for like. Uh, law legal dramas um, even though a few good men is is a good one but i don't know i i'd have to look at the genre list any any from you guys films about injustice or yeah English? um justice I, league. I, I, <laughs> oh, justice league justice league well i think batman v superman's about injustice right <laughs> then you get to the justice the next time around because it dawns at the end of that movie <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> Just making sure we got it all in order here. <laughs> Kenny, what were you saying? <laughs> yeah, I was going to go with Selma. I, that was in my, I guess, Good top one. three that year that came out. But I also saw a movie. Um, it's it's called Crown Heights, I think. Is oh, what yeah, it's with, uh, with Keith Stanford. It's gonna, yeah, it's going to be on Amazon this month, I believe. And I saw it at Sundance, and it won the Audience Award there, and it got a big stand ovation the audience just, just like loved it and i'm not sure if it really got released anywhere in theaters it, it did it got a small release and i was surprised because i remember that i remember that it got like a big response out of sundance and i remember the, the press stuff leading up to it was like really championing it then it just didn't really go anywhere it's unfortunate sure. it, i haven't seen it yet. Yeah. I, look, I look i'm looking forward to it when it comes on it Amazon. says that this release date was in august so. yeah it came out during the summer yeah, and i was looking, and i wanted to look because i like keith stanfield i like seeing him in things and so it's like yeah, yeah. i want to see a movie of, like he's the lead doing his thing like sure and so yeah I we, we we still call him keith stanfield because we loved him in short term 12 but he but goes by lucky Stanfield. Stanfield now. yeah i know yeah. It's just too much, Abe. I, I, like, yeah. I can only do so much here with the names. We, we knew Keith. <laughs> and that's, that's the knew, line, apparently. Two letters. Two letters where I cut I it know. off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, the last question here. What films feature some of your favorite witty dialogue exchanges? Justin writes A Few Good Men. Chris writes, If I'm going to go by childhood, then Airplane. Otherwise, Pulp Fiction. Corinne has The Lion in Winter. Three Billboards was an amazing screenplay. Hashtag Oscar. Uh, Gary has Godsford Park. Lastly, George writes Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Hmm. 
I like the Gosford Park. That's a good because that's like there's a lot of Altman ones you can like throw in there. And Gosford Park, there are some cutting lines. I haven't seen that movie since 2001 when it came out, but there's I remember some cutting lines in there about the with the kind of the uh, like the butlers versus in the uh, the kind of the rich aristocracy that's in the the mansion with them. And there's these little these like they're like burns essentially, but you know it's early 1900s, so you can't say burns yet. You can say like, oh, those are funny insults. Ha 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 ha. But um, <laughs> duly noted. Uh, favorite films with witty dialogue exchanges. Let me let's see. Uh, I mean, tons of tons, anything Aaron Sorkin related, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, whether that's uh, a few good men or even I, I haven't seen Molly's Game yet, but I'm willing to bet that there's really good just, clever exchanges. Just, just you wait. There's about two and a half hours worth of them. Um, <laughs> um, you know, one that came to mind was, and like, I don't think about it very much, but I, I do like Kevin Smith's early films and like Clerks. When I first saw Clerks, Clerks yeah, yeah, when I first saw Clerks, there's just some great like runners between like Dante and Randall in that movie that are just fantastic. Like the way it's written, it's very, it's very scripted, but it still like works in the same way movies like Three Billboards works, where it's like it just it runs so well together. Where they're talking about yeah. Star Wars or what have you, and they just or something like Chasing Amy. Where yeah, Chasing like, Amy yeah, too. There's like really good, you know, well thought out lines here. Mm-hmm. So like the it's the back and forth pitter patter I, I can really enjoy quite a bit. Pitter patter. Pitter patter. So it's a legal term. <laughs> okay. Anything from you guys? I'm gonna go with. Uh, God, I always butcher his name so bad too. Anything from Taika Watiti. Oh yeah, you got it. Off. No, you, did, you said it correctly. Yeah, that was great. Nice. All right. Gold star. Yeah, but I, like I just think of Hunt for the Wilder People right now between uh, Sam Neill and the Ricky the Baker. Kid. Yeah, Ricky <laughs> Baker. Some of their stuff is just so, so funny, and then in yeah. Thor, just some of the exchanges there were hilarious. So I feel like that's a lot of maybe less wit and more just like hilarious banter. But love those movies. I um. Hunt for the Wilder People might become one of my favorite movies. I've watched it a lot at this point. I watched it even like the the weekend after Thor Ragnarok came out because I'm like, I want to I want to watch this again right now, and I did, and it's just so enjoyable all the time. I need to watch it again. So I really like that movie a lot. So. Yeah, it was in my top ten list that year. I think at number ten or nine. Nice. This is Yes. Uh, oh yeah. For me, yeah. The Social Network. Oh yeah. Is a script that I like. That's a fantastic for sure. script. Um, especially when, um, uh, God, I think J- Jesse Eisenberg and a- Andrew Garfield kind of go back and forth, but particularly that scene when he goes, you, you better lawyer up asshole. Cause yeah. I'm not coming for the 10%. I'm coming for everything. You that know, whole like entire that. structure of the way that they did it from, you know, when they're having the deposition in the, in the room and how it's cutting back and forth. And then uh, the score that kicks in too. I was just like, "This is really sad." Like it's, it's just like friends breaking up. What a, what a great best picture winner that was, right? Right, guys. Remember? It didn't win. Remember? Best oh, it didn't. Oh, I forgot. It, it lost to the King's Speech, I which we all talk about. I'm not kidding you. After King's Speech won best picture, I put in. I watched the Social Network like five minutes after King's Speech won, and I was. <laughs> shaking my head for the first 20 minutes like how did this not win best picture like i was just i was like borderline angry that that happened i mean you know and then we got we got les mis where it was just you know not great (laughs) (laughs) 
and, and by the way, the, the, oh, the, the, well, the, the scene you mentioned with uh, Andrew Garfield and Jesse, clearly that worked out for him too, because Jesse Eisenberg is now a billionaire as Lex Luthor, and Andrew Garfield's been kicked out of being Spider-Man. So, it's really... <laughs> when art imitates reality, <laughs> it's really not working out for 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 Severin, is it? <laughs> Eduardo Severin, yeah. I mean, were you gonna add something, uh, Kenny? Yeah, I really liked. Um, I guess more recently, um, did did anyone ever see um, Ingrid Goes West? I haven't yet. Well, that's the Audrey Audrey Plaza one, right? Audrey Plaza. Yeah, yeah. yeah it it was a satire on kind of like Instagram and s- social media, and it, and it had a very good script as well. And the, there was a few banter, especially between um, I think it was Elizabeth Olsen's brother, or sorry, Elizabeth Olsen's character has a brother not like the the olsen twins have like a brother or whatever, you know but yeah but but yeah i think between him and abby plaza in one scene particular when they're when they're um in a room was actually pretty good that's what kind of came to my mind but i really like that movie it was pretty under appreciated and i thought it was pretty witty and also dark as well yeah that's when i want to catch up with eventually i know peter paris around the show he's a big fan of it's like hey, he really loved that movie it, as yeah. well too yeah. yeah and has a good cast so yeah. Yeah. um all right let's uh move on now and now we got some questions that were asked to us we got a few here some yeah. some heavy hitters we'll, we'll see what we can do um fa- <laughs> right away uh farron asks what are your single favorite films of all time let me i'll add right now you can watch you can listen to our 150th episode spectacular to hear more about our favorite films of all time um, <laughs> I think we're also going to always caveat by saying there's, this is a changing list. It's, it's an evolving list, yes. Yeah. Although having seen the question a couple days in advance, I you know I tend to prep for these questions sometimes just so I'm yeah, not yeah, sure. too off base. And a rotating list of movies, I tend to say uh, Gross Point Blake, Fight Club, Star Wars, Jackie Brown. I mean, this is... <laughs> these aren't terrible movies at all. <laughs> I mean, ones I find myself rewatching all the time are stuff like Casablanca, uh, Indiana Jones, Temple, or, or uh, Temple of Doom. Yeah, Temple of Doom. Co- yeah, it's Temple, Temple of Doom now. Temple <laughs> Raider, Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's, just, just, I, that's my first Indiana Jones. It wasn't terrible, but um, uh, stuff like that. So, I mean, again, it's kind of hard to put a, a finger on it. Uh, keeps on moving. But did you guys have any? Uh, it, it, it also, and, I want to add. It's funny in the years since we've done the 150th episode spectacular. Which was a fun episode. I think it was me, you, and I, Scott Mendelson for sure. And was it Mark or Brandon? I think that, that was like also like a year and a half or two years ago, right? Well, given that we're at 309, yeah, I'd say it's probably around that, around that year old. It was a while ago. <laughs> yeah, it was a while ago. So I would say you know, 150 weeks. Um, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> Good math. But no, I've been, I've been kind of assessing that list every now and then. I kind of like look at it, reorder it, do whatever, even though the rank is impossible to kind of make sense of but uh jaws has really popped high into that list as of late i really love jaws just throwing that out there (laughs) how about you guys jordan kenny any uh, offhand favorites of all time yeah so my uh top 10 list shifts pretty considerably after number one but my number one for a while now and probably for the foreseeable future is inception I every time I watch that movie, it's just like the first time seeing it all over again. I love it. You know, watching it, I watched it again because we Anna and I we watched all of Nolan's films before Dunkirk came out, 
And I don't know if I just got like weirdly jaded about Inception because I like watched it too much, where people were just making fun of it too much or what have you. But watching it for the first time in a while, that movie's fucking great. Like it really it is. is. Really great, it's yeah. like it's no, so... it seriously is. And like it's I was just saying... so so original. It is. And it's it's everything. Like, it's everything. Yeah. The movie like it has so much yeah. going on as far as performances, action, drama. Like the just the way it handles all those different beats and like it's yeah. like this wonderfully wound puzzle. It's just great. Yeah. It's amazing. And it's got, I think, Hans Zimmer's, like, probably one of my favorite, like, we could talk music, like, all music, rap, pop, whatever. I think Hans Zimmer's music is some of the best being made today across any medium. And I think Inception was probably his best original score. When he's, like, touring on concert, he ends with time. Like, that's his closer. Like, Inception, he, yeah. Yeah, he, I, went he to, ends... I went to that concert. Oh, yeah? <laughs> you went to one of the Hans Zimmer's yeah. where he's shredding on oh. his guitar and everything? It's so <laughs> And he's such a funny dude. Like he'll take interludes in between uh, some of the sets, and then he saves all of his Christopher Nolan stuff for the end. Hmm. So between ending on, he basically ends on Interstellar and Inception, and you just have like goosebumps out the wazoo. Wow. So where does where does Jesus Thunder fall? Uh, <laughs> like Hard a joke, but... the show. I know Rain Man. I do. In there. I do love that score. <laughs> I want to. I want to get that Blu-ray. They had the, like the live in Prague Blu-ray come out at some point. I want to get that one just to like see what his concerts like. Because I, it's, it's so worth it. Yeah. It's amazing. Kenny, yeah. you got a favorite film offhand? Um, yeah, I mean, offhand, you know, Casablanca, Doctor Zhivago, The Birds, uh, Empire Strikes Back. That's, that's all kind of random. At first, I thought I, thought I heard the burbs, and, and, I, and I was like, "Wait, the burbs? That's awesome!" But <laughs> the bur- the, bur- the birds is great too. <laughs> that was like, that was the, like, "Oh, that came out of nowhere." <laughs> the Alfred Hitchcock birds, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not again. Not a not a list of, of bad movies there. No thanks. Hey, did you say anything? Oh, you did. I already yeah. did. Yeah, 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 I mentioned okay. stuff like Casablanca and. Uh, yeah, yeah, we got, uh, yeah, I got wrapped yeah. up in Hans Zimmer. I forgot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, let's move on to the next question then. Uh, Gary asks, "What actors and films are you rooting for for the Oscars?" Another giant question, but uh, we'll, we'll answer as as minimally as we can, or as lengthy as you want, I guess. But I've already mentioned that I would love Saoirse Ronan to get nominated, um, and I mentioned back in the summer that I would love to see nominations for the Big Sick, whether that's supporting for uh, Ray Romano, supporting for Holly Hunter, or writing from uh, Kumail and and Emily. I um so I recently had to submit my entries for the Los Angeles Online Film Critics Society for the awards that we're gonna have through there, and so it was neat. It helps that I've basically seen everything, although if Star Wars is as good as I'm expecting, hoping, praying, what have you, um, <laughs> um, then I'll be remiss that I was not able to add it as like a Best Picture contender, let alone whatever else it qualifies for, yeah. visual effects, what have you, technicals. Um, but yeah, so I was able to put together like all these lists and. Some of the, like, a lot of my choices are more for, like, I really want this to happen even though I know it never will. And so it's things like, like, Valerian, I hope gets a lot of technical credit, which I know oh, that'd it won't. Oh, that'd be great. Or, like, Ray Romano actually does seem plausible, but I really, that's a great, it is a really good performance. Like, it's like, so it's when I really, like, yeah, that'd be great to see happen. Um, but, you know, things like, like, there's so many, like, I don't want to talk too much about the ones that, Abe, you haven't seen yet. But yeah, there, try, there, try not to spoil it for me. There are certain big movies coming out that I know are going to be well-liked. I have and no I'm, idea what they are. And I'm but, certainly, you know. Um, you know, one to like them as well. 
Um, but yeah, there's a lot of like things like Lost City of Z from back in April that I've been a big yeah, fan of. Really and yeah. like cinematography wise and like technical yes. wise. But like Robert Pattinson's great in that movie. He's also great in Good Time. So Good I'd be time. happy to see Robert Pattinson get plenty of <laughs> plenty of credit for what he's doing. I mean, yeah, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of good stuff here. Um, <laughs> Abe hates this already, but I really like Mother, and I really hope uh, Mother doesn't get lost in the shuffle. It's I, not a good movie, guys. It is. It, it, <laughs> it totally is. It's totally unlike anything. It, it broke up their relationship, Aaron. <laughs> it was how doomed. Good, how good of a movie can it be if it breaks up people's relationships? It was doomed from the start. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like Javier Bardem, I think is great in that movie. I know Jennifer Lawrence gets more of the acclaim, which makes sense. She's the lead of the movie. She's mother. But I think Javier Bardem's playing a really tricky role. Like that's another one where it's like that'd be great. Or fuck it, but John C. Riley in Kong Skull Island, he's fantastic in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> he's, you know, he's, he's, he's the thing that make me that he, kept me going. He is great in that. He's I, didn't, le- I didn't like it as much as you did. <laughs> he's legit great in that movie. Like that can't be. Like you don't have to like Kong Skull Island. You're you know ridiculous because it's too much fun not to. But he is so good in that movie. Like you can't not like him there <laughs> so yeah that's that's a, those are two cents i have okay. jordan or kenny uh i will just preface by saying kong skull island has been one of the films that i think has aged best for me this year nice. I, I don't think it'll get oscar nom but i had so much fun in that movie it was a blast. That's because it's uh, yeah, that's, like that's correct. See... I, <laughs> it's not I agree with you. It's you're correct on that one. <laughs> uh, guys, I'm all on that Geostorm train for the Oscars. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Spit out my water. Movie, though. She was great. I spit uh, out my water on that one. That's not something I saw coming. <laughs> uh, oh, boy. I think a lot of the big ones. I really liked War of the Planet of the Apes. I'd like to see it get technical achievements. I'd like to see Hugh Jackman get something for Logan, to be honest, because I think Logan came out so early that people have maybe even started to forget about it, even though it was amazing. They're, they're uh, pushing. Dunkirk, obviously, left and right. Fox is pushing uh, on Logan. I've seen, I see that like they, they've got screeners out. they got their champion, Stewart and Logan, for yeah, and, uh, Hugh Jackman, for sure. That's cool for we'll, sure. We'll see what happens. Uh, like, but yeah, they're, they're they know what they got. They got that, and they got War for the. They, they're putting Andy Serkis in too for like best actor. They they're they're trying to make that work. Whether or not it happens, yeah. we'll see. But you know, I think he at least deserves a nomination. But I think the only other one that I for sure think needs to happen is probably cinematography for Blade Runner. That was just such a pretty film in mm-hmm. almost three hours, but shot after shot was just so pretty. Yeah, those are all mine. Can and then Storm for Best Picture. Oh yeah, Storm obviously. <laughs> the screenplay, no question. Uh, <laughs> Kenny, any uh, things you're you're rooting for? Um, yeah, I was a pretty big Dunkirk fanboy for, for sure. Um, I kind of wanted to win cinematography. I know that that's not a popular opinion. Um, I just thought it was really well shot. Um, to definitely call me by your name is terrific. As well with the with the um, acting and that and the uh, directing. Um, also, I really like Darkest Hour even more than just Gary Oldman's performance. I thought hmm. the score was terrific. It the is. production design is exquisite, and um, even the cinematography as well. And I'm also I also was a big fan of the Shape of Water as well. Nice. Um, the Del Toro movie that's kind of opening. 
I guess it already opened and it's gonna I guess open in more. Yeah, it opened it opened this week and a few and then it'll open more and more. Yeah, as the weeks but go definitely for sure that one. And I really like the editing and this the sound editing in Baby Driver. That would be really cool if that guy oh, yeah. recognized for sure. I, I'm secretly hoping <laughs> that Baby Driver like sneaks in with some of those technical awards because it'd just be so cool if it was able to do that. Mm-hmm. That would be great. Oh, and then I really liked Thelma and Foxtrot for the foreign language uh-huh. Oscars. That I haven't seen most... as many foreign language films yet, but I, I yeah. should definitely catch up. So Thelma and yeah. Foxtrot? Thelma, yeah, seen, sure. I haven't seen Foxtrot yet. And uh, I like The Square a lot as far as foreign films go. The, yeah. From, from the director of Force Majeure, which we're remaking in Telluride. We talked about that earlier. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, you were all witnesses. Uh, we're going to do it. Um, <laughs> what else? What's our next question here? Justin asks, fittingly, do the Oscars really matter? Um, yes. <laughs> it's a simple answer. Uh, y- yes. I uh, I understand where the question comes from as far as, like, it's just an award versus your own opinion on a film. Um, but what I think the Os- what, what I think matters about the Oscars, regardless of if you agree with them or not, is the exposure. Um, there are so many films that people would not know about were it not for having a group like this that's so, you know, kind of prestigious and what have you. Um, so having, you know, being able to have a, a, you know, a legendary kind of statue be awarded to people that just made a movie either on a whim or as a passion project or, you know, using scrape, scraping up their own funds to make it happen, let alone having studios come out and tell a story they feel important or what have you. Those are all, you know, those are things that get highlighted because of this thing, let alone other awards in general. Um, but you know there are plenty of performances that you would never hear about hear heard about before or what have you but because of oscar potential they suddenly get put into like a you know spotlight where you suddenly have the attention placed on them and you get people that are outside of la and new york to see these movies to see things that you would not have ever thought you wanted to see before but you saw this clip one time of some like documentary short film and you're like that sounds really interesting to me or it pertains to something i didn't even know um uh, there was a film about like there's things like that that i think really are what why the oscars matter it's great to also champion these big movies that come out or like ones that are geared up to receive the kind of acclaim they do something like darkest hour for example which i am a really big fan of just like kenny i think it's not just like look how great gary oldman is but it's just a really good movie uh but like in addition to something like that, you get something like the Florida Project or Lady right. Bird, for example, which yeah. is you know it'll, not necessarily mainstream, but it certainly has its share of popularity. But it's because of the acclaim it gets and what have you that it spreads. It's you know you get that you know that mission statement of hey we we make movies, movies matter. You should check these out. And they may not all you may not always agree with the results of them, but I do think there's plenty of legitimacy to having award ceremonies honoring things that otherwise might not get any kind of recognition by anybody yeah i think the oscars matter as well i mean in terms of the the end of the year kind of awards or the big awards you know when you think about this compared to something like the grammys where the grammys feels like it is the highest achievement in music but at the same time i i feel like it kind of it has so many um like when you look at best record of the year or best album of the year it's it's a lot of the more popular albums or popular things that you've heard of um and while they do have categories for like you know bluegrass or best jazz ensemble album or whatever the case is those would never really be perhaps nominated whereas i feel like the movies one it it does leave some out but at the same time it is a little bit more encompassing of hey like you know there's some small independent movies in here that we're going to nominate i mean you think about last year when moonlight uh won for best picture right and it's like well you know uh this small movie about uh 
a coming of age, uh, a, a gay coming of age story in Florida. It's like, I would have never seen this movie had it not gotten some sort of like critical attention um, from the film festival is that it would, it was coming from. So I do like that the Oscars is a little bit more encompassing and just to say, yeah, uh, some larger, or it, just what you said, Aaron, it'll give it some more um, leg room to run and, and earn some more money, but I'll say at the same time gaining exposure. Right. So I'm glad that the Oscars are there. Sometimes I feel like they're kind of just unnecessary as well though. So I'm half and half. I mean, it's the results you disagree. I mean, I think the establishment of the thing, like, it's... yeah. Any, any opinion from you guys? Because we we just talked about the King speech just running over the social network for best right. picture. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I don't know. I they definitely are important, and I think whenever I rant about them, it's more of a in the moment rant. Uh, I really enjoy the Oscars for I think a lot of the technical aspects and I think the acting year over year, they usually get pretty, uh, not to say right or wrong, but I agree with a lot of the acting nominations and choices each year. It's just one of those things that I think I have a lot of non movie buff friends. Uh, not that the Oscars should necessarily conform to mainstream society, but I, I feel like a lot of people just don't care about the Oscars anymore to a certain extent. I mean, we're all very into movies, so we do just naturally. But uh, when you have people that are like, I haven't even heard of eight out of the eight movies nominated right now or right. five or six out of the eight movies nominated right now. I mean, to your point, it does help those movies get a little bit more exposure and I think get watched more. But to a certain extent, it's uh, almost a bit of... I think it feels to those people who aren't as well-versed as we are, it seems a little elitist. And then for a lot of people, that just turns them away even more. So I almost wish they would start to kind of bridge gaps like that. I mean, they did when they they opened it up to the 10 nominees or whatever. That's that's exactly conforming to that. That's why you get Blindside and Toy Story 3. I, I, I think that helped a lot because I think that what that was the year after after dark night and wally yeah yeah and it was so true i mean the fact that dark night didn't get nominated is still something i'm pissed about but regardless i think they should try to continue to make those strides to connect people to movies that they may not necessarily know but then also just shut people out because it's like oh we basically are just talking about indie films this year outside of technical categories Mm mm-hmm yeah, it's not a flawless system by any means. I've never argued that yeah. whatsoever. Um, and not even just like blockbusters, but also just genre films in general when you get so many yeah. great horror movies and what have you, which is why it's great to see Get Out still having so much buzz um, that yeah. it's going to lead it to get a number of things. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's stuff like that that I'm very happy to see when you, know, you get these changes. It also comes with just who's an Academy member and... You know, the the old white people that were running it for a long time, they're not going to be around forever. <laughs> Meanwhile, you're getting a lot of new Academy members. And guess what? There's a lot more diversity in America than there was yeah. 50 years ago. So. We've got to really hurry up on this uh, Buddy Cop movie then, Aaron. We've really got to get our, our SAG cards and like get into this nomination. <laughs> we and... we got to sharpen that script, though, first. And then, you know, if we want to get Oscar consideration. What are you talking about? No, we're just going to ad-lib everything. <laughs> uh, all right. What's, what's next, Dave? Uh, next question is from Cynthia. Uh, what is your favorite horror movie and why? Uh, easily Halloween. And why is because 
it's a it's a spooky movie. It's it's based in non supernatural kind of things. It's just crazy brother going after his, his sister. <laughs> I will say that there are 20 out now horror themed episodes. That leads to about 40 hours of additional content talking about us and horror movies. Um, but offhand, I will say um, Psycho and Jaws are two of my favorite horror movies, which are which are funnily enough, uh, weirdly controversial choices as far as what you consider to be horror. Although, you consider if, horror. although yeah. if there's a shark in the water that destroys a little boy, that sounds like horror to me. Cause that's, that's a lot of blood that, in the water. That is too, a though. monster movie in my eyes. <laughs> if somebody's stabbing somebody in the shower <laughs> out of nowhere in a shocking move, that seems like horror. So yeah, that's, that's where I'm standing. In the thing, so fuck it there. How about that? That's easy. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> Things bursting out of your chest. <laughs> easy enough um i love the horror genre i, I don't need much more reason for that it's, it's, yeah. it's it leads to so many interesting and f- fantastic things because the favorite horror movies offhand uh i honestly was terrified by paranormal activity three. Oh, the best uh, one yeah <laughs> yeah That's the, best the one. third one i i loved that one and it uh it definitely, I think, was the most scared I've ever been in a movie theater. It just connected with me, and I was getting really out of control. But uh, I also really liked it this year. And I know, I think I liked it more for its comedy aspects mm-hmm. uh, and how well it blended kind of just the Stranger Things feel plus just the really funny one-liners and then the horror aspects. I, I don't know if I'd classify it 100% as horror. Uh, in my eyes, but I really loved it this year. Kenny, any uh, favorite horror movies? Yeah, I really liked um, Frailty a lot with oh, Bill Frailty. Paxton and that's, Matthew McConaughey. That's a great one. Yeah, yeah George by Bill Paxton, right? Yeah, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, I think yeah. it's like it's his early OOs, I think. Yeah, it's 2002 yeah. or one, yeah. 2002. Yeah, that. that that is it just a terrifying movie uh, you know I, it's great it's my pick all right awesome Cynthia asked another question why do you like movies so much Be- because <laughs> <laughs> simple enough because uh, I think it, it, I think all these combination or these combination of answers that we've been giving to these previous four questions sort of answers why I and mean, Kind of just because I, th- I think a lot of us enjoy the technical aspects of things. We also enjoy the coming together of things, of just seeing... Just like the Justice that's... League. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> Superman, uh, non-CGI mustache. But uh, no, just, you know, whether that's score or whether it's cinematography and then seeing direction come together. I mean, we were praising a lot of three billboards for a lot of the technical achievements, but um, I mean, the acting is fantastic as well. So is the script. So kind of seeing things come together and and i honestly like movies because i like to uh see if they can challenge me in some way like in in terms of being emotional challenge or um kind of make me think and so a lot of Christopher Nolan movies whether it's inception or interstellar very very good at at making me question some stuff i mean even some really scott stuff uh that didn't i didn't like as much um you mean the counselor no, I'm thinking more Prometheus. <laughs> You're talking about the counselor, right? Just specifically the counselor. Yeah, exactly the counselor. You know, I was like, why? Why is Michael Fassbender doing this? He's a he's a lawyer already. Why does he need to do in the drug trade? <laughs> anyway, uh, did you guys have an answer? I'm just here so I don't get fined. 
There you go. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I would back up what you say. I think, I mean, there's the entertainment factor, but then when you do talk about films that uh, push you after you see them, I think that's why I see movies as the movies that stick with me and the movies that I care about the most are the ones that years on down the road I'm still thinking about. And I think you had two really good examples there with Inception and Interstellar. And Interstellar, I mean, I remember when I first saw it, it was just like too much for me to handle from kind of like a science standpoint. So I, I was a little underwhelmed. And then I did some reading up on all the science about it and watched it again. And that's one that it's just like when you really comprehend what the, I guess, suggestion is in there as far as just other beings and stuff like that, it, it's mind blowing to me. So it's really the thought after the film that is why I watch movies. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I was going to say, I like the idea of just kind of being um, both kind of entertained and informed as well, but also being able to just kind of escape to kind of be immersed in like a, a di- different world to kind of, um, kind of just kind of like the storytelling aspects and just to be pretty engaged with the actual um, film and like what's going on, but also kind of like a communal aspect to kind of talk about movies to kind of have that debate. Yeah. Great. All right. Cool. That's enough feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. Thank you for some great questions this week, guys. We yeah, those are some really good questions. Coming off a couple of week where we didn't have any questions. And, some some deeper questions, too. Oh, yeah, some, some really <laughs> good ones. So, yeah. Uh, of course, if you want to, you know, give us more questions like that, you can go to our Facebook page where we, you know, even if we don't have the, you know, the question up to ask us questions, feel free to just post stuff. Like, that's always welcome. And, of course, uh, you can email us at outnowpodcast.gmail.com. We're always happy to get any kind of, you know, feedback and, you know, responses and questions just like that. Um, what else here? Let's uh, well, it's time to start let's wrapping start things up. up. Yeah. So let's uh, let's let's get to some out now presents what's out now. These are movies that are coming out on Blu-ray and DVD this week. And first up is uh, Despicable Me Three. Didn't see it, but I heard it was your favorite of the three. <laughs> I I'm it's the one I liked. There you go. <laughs> Which I I love saying that to the chagrin of Mark Hoban because he literally <laughs> likes the first two and hates this one, and it's the only one I liked. <laughs> there you go. Um, American Assassin. Uh, I heard mixed negative reviews. I think it's terrible. It's already out. <laughs> okay, there you That's go. already out. It is I out. I guess so. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. Better watch out. This was good. This is a good What's one. This? this was a. Uh, it was on. It was a. It was a streaming uh, horror, horror, horror Christmas uh, dark comedy. Um, mm-hmm. It has the kid that played Pan in Pan, and okay. and um, what's her name? Oh, the two of them. It had the two kids from uh, The Visit. Um, the kids that were, like, the kids. Both in kids? The Both kids, yeah. But, oh, wow. the, the, but the girl is, like, the star. The girl and the kid from Pan are, like, the star. I can't uh-huh. go into what the plot is, because it's, like, a spoiler. But it involves... It, it It's set on Christmas. It involves the, the girl babysitting the kid that played Pan. And uh-huh. things happen. And it's a okay. dark comedy and a horror of sorts. And it's really good. I recommend it for okay. sure. All right. Uh, next up say this like uh the film from uh, justin chellen called gook um 
I, uh, I've heard that it got critical, some critical praise. Yeah, I, I've heard some good things about it. I wanted to check it out too because it was at it was at the the local art house theater by me for like a while too because it's not rated. Like it didn't get like a huge theatrical release. Um, but it, I, yeah, I heard good things about it. Hmm. Um, dealing with what like um, specifically like Asian culture in America, that kind of thing. Or is it different? So, yeah, I think I'd have to look it up. I'm not exactly okay. sure. Uh, next up from Scream Factory this week, Silent Night, Silent Night, Deadly Night, a uh, cult horror favorite. Um, that's sure been years of the big. I, I know Brandon Peters was really excited about this because it has like an all new 4K transfer on it. Like it's going to look better than it probably ever has. Uh, but yeah, looking forward to getting this one. Mm-hmm. Um, for also from Shout Factory, Guardians. This is a, I believe, like a Russian superhero film. <laughs> What? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I think I might have heard it's of called it. It's Guardi- just called Guardians, and yeah. I heard it's, like, really wild as far as what okay. it's doing. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Also out, Twin Peaks, a limited event series, now out on Blu-ray, the David Lynch TV series of Twi- uh, his, like, the third season of Twin Peaks. Is any Are there any Twin Peaks fans on this uh, show? I have not seen a single episode. Yeah, neither have I. Okay, Twin Peaks? No. Okay. I've I've seen Twin Peaks. I never, I didn't see this new season. I'm I'm not the biggest. I'm not a big Lynch fan in general. So like it's hard. It was hard for me to be like I definitely need to like get Showtime, which apparently everybody suddenly had uh, this summer. <laughs> <laughs> no one ever talks about Showtime. But Twin, but Twin yeah. Peaks suddenly came out. Everybody had Showtime subscriptions. All this like where'd this happen? What, what am they, I knowing? They really needed to rebuild after Dexter. Everyone everyone's watching Ray Donovan behind my back. Apparently. <laughs> um, Let's see. Next up from Criterion, a hundred films of a hundred years of Olympic films, nineteen twelve to twenty twelve. The, the Criterion put out like this giant Blu-ray set of all these films that were made about the Olympics and like 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 about like documentaries on the Olympics from the early nineteen hundreds to to twenty twelve. Um, okay. I have no time for this. I'm very curious about it. At some point, I'd be happy to see some of these movies, but especially the early ones. But that sounds fascinating that they like put a whole lot of effort into you know a hundred year chronicling of the Olympics. Um, Get on them. Yeah. And lastly, just because it's coming out, and I guess I have to say it, Jumanji, Restored Edition, out on Blu-ray this week. Hey, man, that's that's not a bad movie. <laughs> it is. It is a bad movie. <laughs> it, it's, I think the nostalgia it, thing really covers my the, how bad it is. It <laughs> doesn't cover it that much. I mean, I walked out of it when I was, you know... David Allen Greer invented the athletic shoe. Come on. I walked out of it when I was like nine, and I hated it then. So it's like, I don't have the nostalgia for Jumanji. It was a bad movie then. It's a bad movie now. It's not a great movie. <laughs> but you know what? I'm still looking forward to this Jumanji. The bar's not very high to clear, for one thing, in my eyes. But this, is, this looks fun. Know. Looks like a fun That's good. That's good positive perspective. It does. It looks like a fun movie. Who wants to who, who do this movie? It's either Wayne the Rock, the Diasila Johnson, Kevin Hart, and Jack Black, and Karen Gillan running around in Jumanji land. Looks uh, fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's how now which presents out now. Let's move on to Extremely Cool. These are things that are now streaming on Netflix or Amazon or what have you. And I got a few Amazon things this week for a change. Yep. Um, the first up is um, the, the Marvelous Miss, Mrs. Maisel. It's a new Amazon series that involves a single Jewish woman in the 1950s who wants to become a stand-up comedian. Oh, okay. And that just sounds legit good. That just sounds, yeah. like, a, that sounds like a good show. Um, also, Martin Scorsese's Silence is now on Amazon this week. Silence, uh, the three-hour movie with uh, Adam Driver? Is there a second Martin Scorsese silence I could be referencing? Uh, yeah, <laughs> perhaps some horror movie that he directed a long time ago. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> well, yeah, no, Silence. I was a big fan of Silence, and I'm very happy oh, to recommend too. it. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, me too. It was my number one that year. All right, there wow. you go. There you go. Uh, and on Netflix this week, a few things. Uh, a series called Dark. 
This is a German series that I've heard, if you're a Stranger Things fan, it's also one you could check out. Mm, okay. I know very little about it beyond there involves kids and a kidnapping. I don't know if it has any supernatural elements or whatnot, but it's called Dark, and I saw that that's on Netflix now. Um, also, The Farthest, Voyager in Space. This is a documentary, I saw this one, about the Voyager. That goes over the history of the Voyager, the satellite that's still out there, way out there. Like, okay. like out there. Like, guys, that thing out, is out, out there? there. <laughs> yeah. Like, past past Pluto? It is past Pluto. It's in outer, it's in outer space. <laughs> like, I mean... Wait, it's wait. out of our solar system? It out is. Of our... Yeah. Oh. I figured I you'd know more about Voyager than I would offhand. Yeah, I've got to go check out this documentary that I love. No, Voyager's like, it's gone. <laughs> it's, it's, it is out there right now. Don't it's you know about Voyager? Can. It like, has like the record on it and everything. Like It has all this stuff about Earth that would, like, if anyone were to find it, it's like we could communicate in that way. I mean, when was this launched? Like the 80s? No, like the 60s. When did Voyager go into 60s? space? Okay, so I was like, you know, a lot's changed since then. <laughs> I figured you'd know more, more, more about Voyager offhand than I would, but okay. I did not know about it. No, yeah, Voy- yeah it's... Uh, I'll give it a go. I'll give it a go. Seventy-seven. Oh, it was launched in seventy-seven. There you go. Okay. All right. Yeah. No, it's it is it is way out there, but it's a cool doc. I like it. It was a good like piece of history. It was on like the it was on BBC and like PBS in the summer, and now it's like out or it's September, I think. So whatever. Uh, let's see. Easy season two. That's the Joe Swanberg TV series. Uh, sure. Joe Swanberg, who's made a lot of independent films, including with Greta Gerwig, actually a lot of mumblecore stuff. He made this TV series on Netflix. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 is now on Netflix. Yeah, go see it. So if you haven't seen Guardians of the Galaxy already and you're like, I need a convenient way to do this, there yeah. you go. Good score. Good soundtrack. Good soundtrack, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And lastly, Trolls Holiday Special, now on Netflix. With Justin Timberlake? I'm sure it does. Okay. Yeah. Get those songs going. Yeah. <laughs> Good to know. All uh-huh. right. All right. Uh, let's see. Next, that was extremely cool. Next week's show. Next week, Abe, I think we should do the shape of art, the shape of water, and the disaster artist. I think those should be our <laughs> the shape of artist. Yeah, the shape of artist. You know, the Tommy Wiseau film about the creature from the Black Lagoon. You're tearing me apart. <laughs> well, hi, creature. Um, but yeah, no, I, uh, I, I that'll, that'll well, be... Yeah, again, we're we're probably gonna be doubling up a lot uh, toward the end of the year just because we want to fit in. All these movies that are coming out. Yeah, but Guillermo del Toro's film and James Franco's film, that's a fun sentence to say. Uh, those should be <laughs> movies I think we'll be talking about next week. They'll spread wide enough so you'll be able to see them at that point. Nice. And uh, yeah, uh, that's that part. So last thing we do here, what should people go and see now? And what do you plan to see next? Kenny, what should people see in theaters right now? Um, Gosh, caught, caught me off guard. Um, I, I, would, I would have to say... Um, what is playing? I, I can't. Remember. We got uh, Coco, Justice League, Wonder, Thor. Not, we just Thor talked Thor? about. We just talked about a couple movies. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I kind of didn't want to say besides Lady Bird and Three. But yeah. no, I hear you. Yeah. I kind of want. No, understandable. Say something else. Yeah. But um, I mean, I, I guess I could go with Three Billboards for sure. I kind of feel like it's one of those movies that'll be. Um, definitely remembered in a few years. All right. Nice. What do you plan to see next? Um, I I would plan to see next. God, I feel like I've seen. It's funny. I've seen a lot of the awards contenders, but I still haven't seen. Um, other so like like I'm like I'm gonna see Human Flow tomorrow. The um, I Weiwei documentary. Huh, okay. Um, it's yeah yeah it's about um. 
the refugee crisis and it could be a potential um, Oscar nominee. And I plan to see Coco later in the week, too. I still have not seen that. Cool. Jordan, what should people see in theaters right now? Uh, I'm going to put my vote up for three billboards for sure. All right. What are you seeing next? Probably a disaster artist, but man, I'm getting excited for Star Wars. The, the train is starting. <laughs> That's like in two weeks, right? It's coming. Yeah, yeah it's coming. Two weeks. I, yeah, it's coming. You guys, you guys probably see it earlier than than we. We don't, none. Need, we don't need to talk about what I'm doing next Monday. Let's don't worry about that. Oh, okay, <laughs> all right. Uh, I'm gonna go see. I'm gonna say watch Ladybird. <laughs> <laughs> switching, switching gears here, so I don't feel out of place. Uh, go see Ladybird, and um, uh, next, yeah, definitely. I'm really looking forward to Shape of Water. Uh, yeah, I've been saying basically the same things over and over again. But Coco, if you you know need something that everybody can see, Ladybird three billboards, those are out. We just talked about them; they're great. And if you just want to stay at home and watch something cool or just really good, well, also that farthest documentary is a good documentary. But if you want to learn about how awesome this satellite is, that's made of like nothing and is still out in space, just transmitting. Yeah. Check that out. Also, Mudbound is fantastic. It's such a right, good movie. Mudbound. Yes. Yeah. Mudbound is such a good movie. It's on Netflix. You don't have to leave the house. You could be like, let me turn on Netflix right now and watch this drama that's great. And it's right there. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, next, I'm seeing Jumanji, actually. I'm seeing Jumanji on Friday. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. Anna, Anna and I are taking a taking a trip to the board game. So. Cool. Yeah. I'm excited to uh, hear back about that one. I'm excited to see it. I like. I legit am. Like, I'm not thinking it's going to be, like, you know, best of year, but it's like, this looks fun. Sure, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, getting, yeah. it's getting, I'm like, a big sneak... It. it has, like, a big sneak preview happening on Friday, so it's like, Sony Sony likes it. Sony's like, yeah, let's get people to see this thing. Like, to get the word of mouth going. Which we'll probably need, because Star Wars is going to eat everything alive. Um, Alright. <laughs> well, okay, so, with all that said, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Out Now with Aaron and Abe. You can find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodezeek.com. You can find all my written movie reviews over there as well as on wisetheblue.com and We Live Entertainment. You can also find me on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe? Try our fun stuff over at walrusmoose.blogspot or, whoa, blogspot. I went to auto mode there. Twitter.com or, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Crushing it. I know. I'm just like, I don't know why I went full autopilot. Uh, you can find me at okadokly on Instagram and on twitter.com slash walrusmoose hashtag Three of billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri? Outside Sacramento? Yeah, sure. That's better. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Jordan Rath, where can people find more of your work? Uh, People can find more of my work at rathsreviews.com, spelled just like my last name, R-A-T-H. It's on Facebook, and you can just Google it. Uh, And then if you go on Amazon and you type in JT Rath, agents and angels you'll find both my books so enjoy if you get them thank you for the support in advance if you decide to go down that route katie miles where can people have more of your work um i am at filmfad.com and i i guess tweet at the kenny miles that's t-h-e at ken and kenny and then miles my last name like like how many you drive in a day (laughs) okay so not kenny kilometers got it all right. Oh, I've never heard that joke ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd say between that and South Park, that's probably. I am honored. Um, <laughs> clearly. You can find more of the other episodes about Nell, Aaron, and Abe over on iTunes and on Audioboom. 
Listen to us over at HHWD, LO, or, whoa, what's going on, Abe? What's happening? Listen to us over at HHWLOD, SoundCloud, or Podomatic. Feel free to email us any thoughts you might have had on Ladybird, Three Billboards, or anything we talked about over at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Right or know all over at facebook.com slash unknownpodcast. Or uh, twitter.com slash underscore podcast. You took a pause. So I was jumping, yeah, I know. I was jumping right in. And, of course, send us plenty of gifts of... I anything. don't know anything. Sam Rockwell dancing. Sam, yeah, there we go. Send us plenty of gifts of Sam Rockwell dancing over at outnowpodcast.tumblr.com. And with all of that said, Jordan, Kenny, thank you both very much for joining us tonight. Thank you both for joining. Thank you for having us. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. For sure. Glad to have you both here. Glad to have talked about some, you know, a couple of good movies. And looking forward to the rest of award season where there's a lot of good stuff to come. So, with all that said, until next week when we learn the shape of water through the eyes of Tommy Wiseau, another fun <laughs> sentence, that's going to do it. So until next time, so long. And goodbye. played Helen Hunt's Anne in Twister. It's kind of a random thing, but... Um, oh, yeah, she's the Anne in Twister. She was on True Blood for the first good. season. She was, uh... Yeah. She's the doctor in Minority Report. She is the doctor in Minority Report, yeah. yeah. You know how that role was written for originally? Meryl Streep. I did not realize. Would have been too distracting. I think that's why she was cut out. She probably would have been nominated for Academy Award. <laughs> oh, of course, yeah, Best Supporting. <laughs> <right there. laughs> We'd still be talking about it. <laughs>